Hey everybody, my name is Dave Jackson and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games we play sometimes from my backlog, sometimes not. My guest today is a friend of the show and retired mask salesman, Alan Nichols. Hey there everybody, I'm stuck in a Bill Murray-esque time loop and I've done this podcast 2,000 times. Hopefully (laughs) we can get this one right this time. Yeah. Uh, when we get it right, we avert the catastrophe and everybody can go home. No harm done. So uh, today's game that we're talking about is The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, uh, which is an action-adventure game developed by Nintendo EAD, published by Nintendo in 2000 uh, for the Nintendo 64 with a remaster re-release of some sort in 2015 for the 3DS. And... Elevator pitch for Majora's Mask, if you're listening to this and don't know what it is. Uh, let's say that this is uh, the sad Zelda <laughs> and <laughs> one of the OG time loop games. Time loops are kind of a popular thing in games these days. Majora's Mask was definitely the first one that I played. Not going to say it was the first one, but definitely the first one I played. How about you? Oh, definitely. Definitely the same here. Um I mean, I'm probably a little bit uh, uncommon for guests on your show. I don't play a ton of video games right now. Um, I still like to pick them up and play from time to time, but this was one of the first games that I ever played. Um, Right. You know, and and definitely one of the first games I got excited for. Yeah. So we usually begin the episode by just some kind of opening thoughts like, how do you feel about Majora's Mask? This is an interesting one because like, I know that you and I both played it on the N64 when it came out and revisiting it 22 years later. How do you feel about it? Really good, I think. Really good is how I would, how I would put it. Um, okay. I find it, I mean, we talked a little bit about it. I find it really hard to, um, to talk about this game without referencing Ocarina of Time because I feel like I feel like they're inextricably linked. I mean, you, yeah. it's it's difficult to compare them to anything but one another uh, because Ocarina of Time really kind of kickstarted, not maybe not kickstarted, but revolutionized the the whole hero tale style video games with a, a good yeah. guy and a bad guy. Brought it to uh, 3D then, for sure. Right, brought it into 3D. Um, got the polygons into the game. And then, uh, <laughs> I mean, just a couple of years later, they 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 came out with this game. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So, like, I don't I don't think either of us are going to really shy away from referencing Ocarina of Time because, like, like you they're like we're going to talk about they they use the same character models from Ocarina of Time and a lot of the same assets and stuff like that. So it's and the game is like canonically a direct sequel to ocarina of time if you care about zelda timeline stuff so like we're gonna mention ocarina of time for sure and yeah i am pleasantly surprised at how well this held up versus like my expectation because uh i'm not the type of person who like when i play a really old game I'm not the mm-hmm. type of person who is able to view it in like the lens of the year it came out and like the time period where it came out. So like I if I had problems with Majora's Mask, 
I would not be able to say like, oh, well, it was it was good for the year 2000. Even if it's not good now, I would just default straight to like in the year 2022. This sucks. That's kind of how I view games and I can't view it any differently. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed Majora's Mask uh, for the most part. And we'll get into uh, oddly enough, some of the things that I didn't like about Majora's Mask were bec- were because I was playing on the 3DS and not the N64. So wow, so yeah. that's pretty funny because I was thinking when I was going because I played on the Nintendo 64, right? Um, and so I was thinking as I was going through that, just a little bit more polish on it really yeah. would have uh, really would have kicked it off. It's it's a double-edged sword and I, and so I'll just say straight out like the the quality of life changes in the 3DS version were good. I liked them a lot. I don't like playing games on the 3DS. It's too small and it hurts my hands. So like oh, gotcha. <laughs> that's most of the reason like the I like playing like JRPGs and turn-based stuff and like, you know, playing super mario or like super nintendo games on the 3ds is fine because you can use the d-pad the control stick on the 3ds is the worst control stick on any controller i've ever used it's it's a design concession they had to make so that you could fold it and you can't have a control stick like blocking it you know so it's it's like flat it's like flush with the rest of the console and it's so uncomfortable i don't I don't know how, like, I've never heard anyone complain about it before, and I'm like, this fucking sucks. Anyway, (laughs) like, the game, I enjoyed the game for the most part. It's really the 3DS. If I played this, if I, maybe if I had, like, emulated this or played it on the Switch, because you can play it on Switch now um, on the uh, Nintendo online service, as long as the emulation is good on that, because people say that, people were saying the Ocarina of Time version on the Switch was awful might have been better to play with a real controller that i guess that's the point i was getting to uh with the actual nintendo 64 style controller if i could play the updated version with quality of life with the n64 controller it probably would have helped but then you'd miss some of the quality of life which we'll talk about uh, in the episode those are my opening thoughts uh playing on the 3ds fucking sucked the game itself pretty good i enjoyed it uh, so um, we're going to get into uh, the episode now. And before we do the spoiler policy for this episode, um, usually we keep story spoilers for the spoiler section at the end. And this will be no different. However, this is a Zelda game. Zelda stories are not the most spoilable things. You know what's going to happen at the end of every Zelda game. But we'll keep specific stuff like that for the end. And uh, we will keep kind of specific experiences and things that, like, if you're listening to this, you never played Majora's Mask, it would be good to go in and do for the first time, like, and experience it fresh without being spoiled. I'll keep some of that stuff in the spoiler section as well, as well as a uh, truly wild theory that I had never heard that is on the Wikipedia page for this game. So it's not like some weird fan theory, unless no one you know, moderates the Majora's Mask Wikipedia page and someone put up their fan <laughs> theory and just left it there. But there's a theory that about like what this game is that I'm going to save for the spoiler section because I had literally never heard of it until yesterday when I was finishing up the notes. So 
that's the spoiler policy for Majora's Mask. And we are going to take a little music break. When we come back, we'll get into our personal histories uh, with the game. Personal histories with Majora's Mask. Guest always goes first. So, Alan, if you can remember, when did you first play Majora's Mask? How did you feel about it back then? And then what made you want to revisit it in the year 2022? Well, so I, um, like I had mentioned earlier, I Majora's Mask was one of the very first video games that I looked forward to the release. Um, mm-hmm. Generally speaking, before this, I you know I I had a Nintendo sixty four obviously before this because I had played other games, but the games that I I wanted were games that I had played at someone's house. They weren't games that I had waited um, up to release to see to go and and get. And so this mm-hmm. was was one of those games, and I believe it was a fall release. I think uh, because I. Th- think that i got to choose that for my birthday um i want to say um so i that was what i wanted i went and i got it i thought it was great when i got it um the 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 time loop structure of the game was something that was a lot more difficult for me to manage as a child yes (laughs) Uh, and so so it was a uh it was, you know, obviously something that I hadn't dealt with before. And so that was just another reason why I was interested in getting it. But probably the primary reason I was most interested in getting it was how much I loved Ocarina of Time, um, which was like my first big boy game uh, right. that I ever played. And then they followed up with this game just a few years later. And um, I still remembered it, which is, you know, shocking even nowadays that i remember something three years down the line so mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean back back at that point um that must have meant i was really really into it yeah and then uh so was it was it me asking you to play um to like do an episode about it that made you want to revisit it or was were you kind of thinking about playing it anyway or were you already kind of poking around at it because i know you still have your n64 I do, and I I bring my N64 out of the closet. I try to at least once a year to make sure it still functions uh-huh. um, and play <laughs> play a game or two. I I actually I played. I forget if it was Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time. Um, maybe eight years ago, we played through. It may have been Ocarina of Time. We played through it over the course of one weekend. Um, over the summer when I was in law school, and we were just sitting around. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, I, I think I always kind of have an interest in playing uh, Majora's Mask or Ocarina of Time, but definitely the impetus for this playthrough was, uh, was you mentioning this episode. I'm, okay. I'm really excited for it to come out on Switch so I can have that opportunity. 
I think at the time of recording, it's either like we're recording this in uh, late March. It's I think it's either out on Switch or like it, it will be very, very soon because people are starting to talk about it again. If if you're going to pay for like the upgraded Switch Online membership, because, um, you right. know, Nintendo, you can't just buy Majora's Mask and play it. You have to subscribe to their online service and stuff like that. It's good old friendly Nintendo back at it again. So uh, for me personally, um, I'm like you. I remember playing this back on the N64. Like, I'm pretty sure that like so like for people listening, like me, me and Alan are like, we've been very good friends for a long, long time. So like we played this, I'm pretty sure we played this together at some points on the N64 in the year oh, 2000. Oh yeah. So like, oh yeah, absolutely. I can't remember if like we both had copies of it or like, like one of us had a copy and we just play at the other person's house. I'm sure that we both had copies of it. And then just like whenever we went to the other person's house, we played Majora's Mask or we played Ocarina of Time and then like when we went home we played on our cartridge like I'm pretty sure that's how it worked but I played this back in the day like back when it released I also remember this being like one of the first like I remember getting really excited about Pokemon Gold and Silver and I think this is one of the other ones that I I was like reading magazines like Nintendo Power and stuff like that like what is this new Zelda game? Because like Ocarina of Time was such a game changer for everybody back then. Um, so I played it back then and uh, I have revisited Ocarina of Time a couple times like throughout my life since then. Like I'd say since we got out of that time when we were replaying Ocarina of Time like literally like four or five times a year when we were kids. <laughs> And like through high school and stuff, I think I've played through Ocarina of Time like four or five times and I have never replayed Majora's Mask, like never Mm. since that first like time period, early 2000s. I've never replayed Majora's Mask. And so I was excited when I got a 3DS uh, just a couple years ago or something like that, that like I know there's a 3DS version and I was excited to give it a try. So I, yeah, like I said, I replayed this on 3DS and I was a little bit worried about it because I'm not the biggest fan of Ocarina of Time anymore. I find it, uh, the last time I played it, maybe three or four years ago, I found it very tedious and Mm -hmm. talky. Everyone is constantly talking to you in that game. There's not a whole lot of like letting you like go do stuff. That's something I think this game improved on. Um, I'm also like, just not a huge fan of a lot of the 3D Zelda games anymore. Like Twilight Princess, I loved when it released, and then I replayed it maybe five years ago, and I didn't like it at all. So I was real nervous about revisiting Majora's Mask. That's uh, the point I'm getting to. And like, since Breath of the Wild came out and kind of revolutionized what we think about, how we think about Zelda, like if you want to say Breath of the Wild's not a Zelda game, and therefore it doesn't affect how you feel about the older games. That's that's cool. I get that. But that's not how I think about that. I think Wait, people say Breath of the Wild isn't a Zelda game. Yeah, because it's not following that exact same formula that literally every other Zelda game followed up until then. Well, um, even though it does, it's I mean, just very, very spread out. <laughs> yeah, like your, your link, there are 
four temples and then you kill Ganon. I mean, yeah, that's and you're like solving puzzles along the way, just like you have in all Zelda games. It Breath of the Wild just got rid of that thing where you like, you know, you get a weapon to help you solve puzzles in this dungeon, and then you go to the next dungeon, you get a weapon that helps you solve uh, puzzles in that dungeon. You know, I see. Got yeah. rid of that. I disagree with people that say Breath of the Wild's not a Zelda game. I think it's very clearly just a different type of game. Since that came out, yeah. though, like the older Zelda games have started to lose their luster, I guess, with me. Anyway, um, that's my history with Majora's Mask. Uh, I went a long time between playthroughs. I still think it's pretty good. We're going to get into uh, why I think it's pretty good and some things that I still don't like. Um, people wondering about Majora's Mask, I have my uh, my playtime here uh, was about 25 hours. So if people are wondering how long this takes, I uh, yeah, 25 hours for uh, my playthrough. The 3DS keeps track of it. I'm not sure if the N64 does, like how long you played, does it? Actually, I think it does. I spent significantly more than 25 hours on this game. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, over the course of the last week, I went back and and kind of filled out my gameplay a little bit. Yeah, doing uh, after side having, quests having and stuff like game. that. Yeah, and really, which you know, we'll and we'll get into it, but that's really, I think, the strength of this game. There definitely is a. It feels like a lot more to do. That's not just like collecting gold sculptulas and stuff like that, right? Right. It's more than sculptula tokens. I mean, I, we'll we'll talk about it obviously but the uh the mask functionality really really changes the way that this game is is played as compared to Ocarina of Time um not just the um you know you have your your three main transformation masks and then you have all these other kind of niche masks that let you do all sorts of fun things and to get them you have to plan out these you know day and a half long or two day long adventures yeah um and how you're gonna get them so it's it's really a a neat thing yeah well let's just get into talking about the masks because we might as well start with like what's super unique about this game so the i guess the two main stuff the two main things that make this game stand out from other zelda games are the masks and the time loop so let's uh let's talk about the masks so as Alan said, uh, one of the main things about Majora's Mask is that you have your regular Zelda, you know, stuff. You have your hookshot, you have your bow, you have your ocarina, stuff like that. But in this game, you also get these masks. There are 24 total. um, And we have, like you said, the transformation masks. There are four of them. Uh, The Deku Scrub Mask, the Goron, the Zora, and a... uh, this feels weird to keep it a secret, but I'm going to keep the fourth one a secret until the spoiler section, <laughs> because you can only get it when you get all the other masks. So it is intended to be a secret uh, in the game. So I'm going to treat it like that. Uh, so you have the big three that transform you, the Deku mask, the Goron mask, and the Zora mask. Those transformation masks give you special abilities um, that all of the other masks don't have, like the 
Uh, Deku scrub can hop in flowers and shoot up in the air and float across long gaps that none of the other masks can get across. And also blow bubbles. He can blow bubbles too, you're right. How could I forget that he can blow bubbles? (laughs) (laughs) The Goron can uh, break rocks by punching it, and he can also roll. And uh, like that's the fastest method of travel in the game is to roll as the Goron um, and go off ramps and stuff like that. And the Zora can uh, swim, and the Zora also has some boomerangs. So you'll be using the masks throughout the game both for combat, like kind of, but mostly to solve puzzles or to move quickly either on land or in the water uh, as the Zora. So which of these three masks did you think, do you think any of them were like more fun than the other ones? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think that there's any real debate that the Goron mask was the most fun. Yeah, definitely the most not. fun. I mean, Termina Field, uh, which is this big donut-shaped field around the Clock City, mm-hmm. um, it's just like a a playground for the you Goron. Know, when you have yeah. once, yeah, once you get the Goron mask, um, especially when you know you are able to save enough money in the bank and get some blue potions. Um, you know, and so you get infinite magic and you just, you know, you just zoom around that sucker. I I remember spending, uh, just, uh, a sick amount of time in sixth grade, just rolling around that field in a circle. Uh, so the Goron mask is, is my favorite to play with, but I like the, uh, I like the Deku mask a lot too. Interesting. Because it's, it's kind of, it's kind of quirkier than the other ones. Yeah. First off, he um he plays horn, right? Right. That's right. They all have their own instrument. Right, which is fun. Uh it's a fun little a fun little quirk of the game. And so I like that part about him. I also like that the dogs didn't like Deku Scrubs. Yeah, it's very funny. There <laughs> the dogs are super racist against Deku Scrubs. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know if that's a, a training thing or if that just if they think they're like a squirrel or what i don't know but it seems like a socialization thing right like how probably (laughs) is like like how real dogs can grow up to be racist if they don't meet a bunch of different kinds of people and so the dogs in uh the dogs in clock town are just super unsocialized and they they hate deku scrubs um they do yeah i agree that goron mask is uh is probably the most fun and if I wasn't like wearing a mask for some specific purpose or like not wearing a mask, uh, just being like regular link, I was definitely rolling around with the Goron mask. Like, so in Majora's mask, you start out with no horse and you can get your horse. I think you have to get your horse to get into one of the, uh, spokes on the map, but like, I never really rode Epona around the field because rolling around as a Goron was so fun. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, by the time you were able to get Epona, I think, in this game, you had already gotten the Goron mask. Right, yeah. I think I think is how it worked. And so, uh, I'm trying... Yeah, it definitely was after, after yeah. you got the Goron mask. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Zora mask you know, was pretty fun, too. Like, it's... Yeah. I think the Zora mask is, like... This is a difference between the N64 and the 3DS because uh, on the N64, the Zora mask makes you swim like really, really fast, right? Um, yeah, on the 3DS, like 
you don't swim really fast. You have to use its like electric charge move that uses magic. That's how you swim fast on the 3DS version. And that's uh, something I've heard people complain about as a like a change in the 3DS version that was unnecessary and bad. And I kind of agree with because like I was playing it and I remembered like the Zora mask is really fun to like swim really fast. You can like hop out of the water like a dolphin and stuff like that. But in the 3DS version, you can't do that unless you're using magic and doing that like charge move, Mm. which is kind of lame. The Zora mask plays a uh, a guitar made out of fish bones. Uh, which when I was a kid, I thought was the coolest fucking thing in the world. Uh, as a, it was, yeah. In the year 2022, it's, it's cool. It's fine. But, um, I kind of like the pipes on the Deku scrub. I I got an appreciation for that. Yeah, no, I think, I think that pipes definitely number one drums, solid number two. Um, and then, and then I have to go with guitar third ocarina, obviously in a uh in a category all its own right for sure so you are uh you're going to use those masks probably the most uh but there are 20 other masks uh in the game that range from like being very useful all the time like the bunny hood that makes you run faster uh to being like only useful in one specific thing throughout the game and like literally not worth touching ever again when you're done with that. Um, But there are some, there's the great fairies mask that um, attracts these stray fairy collectibles inside the temples. There's the blast mask, which explodes and hurts you. But like, if you don't have any bombs and you need to blow up a wall, just put on the blast mask. You can blow something up. It'll hurt you a little bit, but this is a Zelda game. Like, that's not a big deal. And yeah, there's a couple that have like, that are semi-useful. And there's like 15 that are just collectibles or um, useful for like one very specific thing that you do one time and never think about again. Like, there's the chicken mask that makes you march and like baby chickens (laughs) will follow you in like a marching pattern, which is... Uh, shocker not super useful all the time but it is kind of funny the first time you do it and there's a lot of masks like that i think you get a heart piece for doing that at some point don't you yeah i think you i think you get a heart piece for growing someone's chickens yeah it's in it's at the ranch and uh i think you get a heart piece and then you never have to touch that mask again yeah no there there are a lot of those niche masks on the in this game which is funny because of like they must have put a lot of effort into creating that single item. Yeah. To uh, I mean, as as relative to the rest of the game, because obviously it's not a a a, a new game that they put those thousands of hours into into programming and things like that. I mean, I guess I don't know how much time it took them to create. Well, it took them. It took Majora's them two mask. years to make this game, which is not a long time to make a game. It's really short, right? Um, but they put all these little niche products in that you only use once, right? I mean, like you jump on top of a giant, you you get uh, a dancing mask, right? Because you go and meet a ghost at night somewhere, and then you teach some people how to dance. Yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, and then it's over. Yeah, and then a single night. And then you never dance again. Oh, unless unless you want to. Yeah, unless you want thing. to. 
go ahead and do it. Yeah. So how did you feel about the mask system? This is one of my big worries going into the game was that like putting on masks and taking off masks and switching masks would end up being like a really annoying just like constantly going through menus to like choose masks and put them on and take them off would be really annoying. So how did you feel about this? I'm okay with a game moving a little bit more slowly. And so it didn't really bother me that much, um, switching back and forth between masks. But you also don't have to do it that often. I mean, there there are a few situations where you really have to switch back and forth Mm -hmm. um, between more than one mask. Um, And then you run into the issue, at least on the Nintendo 64, of only having the three C buttons to which you can assign items. Right. And that's one of the quality of life things that I love in the 3DS version. Uh, which is that the touch screen has two specific like quick mask slots. Um, so you assign your, you know, your Deku mask and your bunny hood on both of those. And you just touch that quick right. thing on the touch screen. You quickly put on the mask or take it off and you, it cuts out a lot of menuing because you rarely need to have more than two masks like equipped or like ready to go at any given time. So that was really cool. So I ended up not really minding this either. Um, I think if I would have had to open up the menu and like, or like sacrifice one of my equipable item slots for masks, and that means more menuing when I need to get bombs or the bow or something, that would have sucked. But as it is on the 3DS version, pretty good. That was a wise choice by them. No, I, I, I agree. That was a, that's a great ad. Um, I always, ran with an ocarina mm-hmm. on my right c button oh yeah so i just always since 1998 i would just take <laughs> <laughs> but i would just uh i would just get rid of it i would put it away and i'd put i'd put a mask out there i'd take the bombs away i'd put a mask out there and i'd just roll with a bow and a sword mm-hmm. i mean it, yeah it worked fine the back and forth wasn't that bad yeah you do have less like tools than you do in like Ocarina of Time. I think like you actually, it it might be like exactly the same as Ocarina of Time. You just don't get them all as like, you don't get bombs as a reward for a dungeon this time. Like you did in Ocarina of Time. You, you just kind of buy them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You just purchase them. But I feel like they, they kind of, they moved away from like using items in Ocarina of Time to using the mask skills in Majora's Mask. Yeah, yeah for so sure. So instead of using the hook shot to get places, you can use the flower to jump. Right. And then you do get a hook shot later, uh, which you use. Um, the the Deku scrub kind of gets relegated to the bench like halfway through yeah. the game, uh, which is, I think we're arriving at like a kind of Deku scrub oppression kind of like theme in this game. The Deku scrub, <laughs> good in the early game, later on, uh, not useful. The game's not built for it. Dogs hate the Deku Scrub. So there's also uh, just to go along with the theme of the game, a terribly sad story about a Deku Scrub that I that I came across when I was reading about things for this uh for this podcast. Interesting. Yeah, um, I can't think I of guess. I can't think of what you're what you got there. <laughs> I'll say I'll save it for spoilers because it you really don't figure it out until the credits. Okay. All right. So I'll uh I'll save it. Okay, cool. 
Uh, the other big thing in Majora's Mask, the other big like uh, thing that sets it apart from other Zelda games is the time loop, uh, which I would imagine began as a way for them to like make this game not last six hours um, because it, there's really like not a ton of area like landmass in this game. There's only four temples uh, that I can remember and there's some smaller dungeons but it's way less than ocarina of time so in order to i guess kind of make this game last longer and kind of do a unique thing you have a time loop and like we said this is the first time loop that i ever experienced like alan said when i was a kid this really stressed me out uh, as an adult i am happy to say happy to say this is not a big deal um, <laughs> very, very happy. And like, uh, there's been a lot of time loop games, uh, that have come out in recent years, uh, like, um, uh, the outer wilds, um, death loop, uh, stuff like that. Time loops are kind of all the rage as roguelikes become one of the most popular, uh, genres. And, uh, I, like I said, this is the first one that I can remember. So, uh, in this game, the moon is crashing down, uh, as soon as you, begin the game you'll see the moon up in the sky the moon has um uh the moon has teeth uh which is i always thought that was the creepiest thing about the moon in this game is that it has teeth <laughs> not a face just uh, i it's, mean it's the teeth yeah teeth and eyes i mean i feel like i feel like it's eyes were the i mean okay i get teeth definitely threatening but the, it's eyes it had crazy it eyes, has crazy yeah. eyes. it's a very angry moon for sure which it is. That sounds like the uh, sounds like the I, title to a children's book, "The Very Angry Moon," and that is uh, what's happening in Majora's Mask. I feel like the moon gets a bad rap in Majora's Mask because it's just an inanimate object. You know, I mean it's it's not the bad guy. It has no malicious intent. But it's it certainly you know? its face looks like it has malicious intent, but it does. You're right. It's it does the moon is. Uh, the moon is the moon is not not like you know the villain of the story. The moon is the moon, and the moon is crashing down. And it also happens to have crazy eyes and teeth. It it just looks like the bad guy. Yeah. Everybody. So this is like the imminent threat uh, in the story, and we'll I'll kind of introduce the story in a bit. But you have a three day uh, time limit as a player. Um, the first cycle uh, that you have um, is actually shorter than later because I think they want you to get to the the story climax um, or the the story beat, not climax. Uh, the first time loop is 32 minutes and 24 seconds long um, as you're playing in real time. You don't have the ocarina yet, so you can't slow it down or speed it up. Um, later, if you uh, after that, the regular time loop is about an hour. It's uh, 54 minutes. And if you do the uh, inverted Song of Time, which slows it down uh, right at the beginning, then it's about three hours long, uh, the time loop. So it's, like you said, I, I don't think there's anything in this game that will take you longer than three hours that, like, you can't reset. Like, uh, a temple was very easily done in about two days' time in this game for me. Uh, and that's like... Oh, yeah. Not not looking at guides, not speed running through it. These are Zelda puzzles. They're not super challenging. Um, even if I died a bunch of times against the boss, which happened on 
one of the bosses because I couldn't figure out what to do. It's still, it will take you about two days and then you have an extra day of time in the time loop. This was another one of my main concerns because like you said, I remembered it being super stressful when I was a kid and I found it to be not a big deal, but also like you did also kind of watch the clock because you can see the clock on on the screen. It shows you what time it is and what day it is. So you're always kind of watching the clock and I think you feel the pressure of time without actually having real pressure, I think. Right. I mean, and that was that's kind of the point because they don't they don't want to make a children's game yeah, that this, you know this is Nintendo. Makes kids really tense. Yeah. yeah I mean there it is Nintendo. And so instead of actually pushing you and limiting your time, they give you plenty of time. Um but make you kind of artificially create that uh, sense of suspense by putting the clock at the bottom for you to watch and having the big moon get bigger and bigger and bigger right. as the game goes by. Did you ever have um, a time when you were like pushing up against, you know, the night of the last day and you're trying to get something done as the clock is ticking down? Did you ever run into that? I tried to do the um the it's a, this is really spoiler because no one cares about this uh quest but the wedding mask quest right and that one goes down to the wire and i did not get that one done okay but yeah that's i i think that one is like the quest that i think it runs all three days right and you have to it does you basically have to like have it down like clockwork to get it done in time before the moon crashes you there there are very precise steps you have to follow at particular times on each day right. you have to be watching for people and which is you know the whole the whole time loop is such a like a beautiful mechanic in this game um it it plays like one of those really fancy music boxes mm-hmm. um with you know the the little characters that pop out of it and perform the same movements over and over and over and over. Right. Um, And you just interact with them. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, like, really makes Majora's Mask stand out from, like, any other Zelda game that, like, because this game is on a time loop and it's on a schedule, which most other Zelda games, all other Zelda games, I think, are not. Time doesn't exist in other Zelda games. Even Breath of the Wild, when you're supposed to have this existential threat time really doesn't exist in that game either in this game since you're on a clock everything else in the game is on a clock too so the npcs all have schedules uh, that they can follow and you get a nice little journal uh, on the 3ds this is another thing that was improved Uh, the journal gives you a lot more information um, on in the 3ds version from what i read i don't remember the n64 version uh, from when i was a kid what do you think? <laughs> it was kind of a it was kind of a waste the journal on the N64 version. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would help you remember the people who the people were, I guess. Is at least that's how I used it this time. Yeah. Um, you know, like I had met someone and they had talked to me about something that needed to be done and I thought to myself, "Not today, Alan. You've got to do you've got to go beat the Snowhead Temple this afternoon." Mm-hmm. You know, not today. And so then after when I came back, um, you know, it did, I guess it does, it does have like the first, second, third day, um, 
breakdown yeah you know of chart style with the character name so it tells you like i saw x person with x problem here um on this day and at least on 3ds it will also say like it will say it'll say it'll at least say like when each character is active and it might say like they're in this Hmm. place at 10 p.m on the second night until 2 p.m or on the third day and then after 2 p.m they're in this place i think it will say that on the 3ds i didn't fuck with the journal much because i didn't do a lot of side questing um but as things go on the schedule even if you don't get into these like really complicated side quests like uh, me and alan were talking about uh there are a couple things that like i think you you should do uh, to make the game a lot easier for yourself. There's a quest to upgrade your sword uh, that, like, it's very easy to follow, but you do need to use all three days to do it, and so you might find yourself running up against uh, the end. I tried to do that quest after I beat the temple uh, in that area, so I did, the moon did crash as I was Goron racing, uh, which <laughs> is um, oh, no. kind of fitting, uh, but like like I said, like any any time I would run against like the moon crashing as I was doing something, it's because I didn't manage the time loop. Like you can reset to the beginning of the first day anytime you want uh, by playing the Song of Time. Right. And so like if you're, you know, if you start doing something in the afternoon on the third day and you find yourself running out of time, yeah, it sucks to like reset and then go do it again but maybe you shouldn't try to start doing something at like on the night on the third day or something like that just manage the time loop it's really not that bad um resetting to the first day was one of the only things that i thought was kind of annoying because when you do you lose all your stuff um so you lose all your ammo you lose your bombs you lose your rupees and so there it would be like I want to reset to the first day and then I want to go do this side quest that I didn't have time for before. But in order to do the side quest, I need a hundred rupees and now I don't have any rupees or like in order to do the side quest, I need to bring bombs and I don't have any bombs because I reset and I lost all my bombs um, or something like that. But there are ways to mitigate those. There's a bank you can save your rupees in, uh, which will stay permanent throughout um, you get the blast mask, which acts as a bomb, basically, if you get the blast mask. So there's a lot of individual ways, but like, let's say you need to reset and you need arrows for where you're going. There's no way to save arrows. You just have to go buy arrows or go find some, and then you can go do your thing. So that got annoying a few times, but overall, again, not as bad as I thought it would be. Right. And I mean, and they, the bank really does, I think, alleviate a lot of that problem. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so they put the bank in Clocktown right next to a bomb store and a general goods store. So you can go in and you can pick up whatever supplies, you, you know, go to the bank, pick up your rupees, go to go buy the stuff that you need at the store and then uh, and then roll mm-hmm. out. I think my bigger thing was having to make it back to Clock Town. Like, if you were pushing that third day deadline and you have to make it back to Clock Town at, you know, 
1150, go to the bank, drop off your stuff. Uh, and then go back to the. <laughs> there are a couple of times, yeah. The first day. There are a couple of times when the moon is like 15 feet above the surface, and I'm at the bank, yeah. like, "Hello, I would like to make a deposit, sir." <laughs> uh, that teller is just so dedicated, yeah. though. It's incredible. Yeah, the teller's uh, real fucking weird, and that's that's another point for like, like later in the notes, but like just to bring it up now, the N- the NPCs are like predictably. Um, not taking this well or they've all like lost their damn mind a long time ago um so like the bank teller is they're taking your stuff but they're just like their kind of animation that plays as you're doing bank stuff is they just like laugh and slap their knees over and over again (laughs) the the n64 zeldas in particular have the weirdest npcs of like almost any game that i can think of like their designs they're they don't have voice acting but they have like the noises that they make and then their animations are all so fucking weird and in majora's mask i think it's the weirdest uh, of all of them oh it's it's definitely the weirdest of all of them um of because you're right zelda games in general they have uh kind of goofy looking characters that have these quirky problems um and these funny animations, very exaggerated animations that they make, uh, instead of using using words. And then sometimes when they do try to use words, they sound like um, uh, odd. I guess I was going to say like an adult in Charlie Brown, but it's it's a lot more brief than that. Yeah. They're real weird. Like I wrote, I actually wrote, I was actually keeping a list for a little bit until I forgot, but like. So there's there's this couple in Clocktown. Uh, they have a store. I forget what the store is called, but it's it's just them like on this revolving table or this rotating table, like hugging each other. Ah. And there's something to do in their store. Like they, it's some kind of mini game or like shop or something like that. But they just like they just. I think it's the bomb chew. It's game. the bomb chew game. Okay, I think. I think whatever it was, I like didn't have it unlocked at the time when I went in there, but like, they're just like standing on this rotating table holding each other. And they just moan when you talk to them. Uh, cause Zelda NPCs don't have voice acting. They just have these little, like, you know, quick things they do. They laugh or in this case, uh, they moan as they're embracing each other in the middle of this weird fucking mini game shop that they own. Nice. Uh, Tingle is in this game. Everyone knows Tingle. Uh, I didn't realize when I was a kid that Tingle is not a f- Kokiri with no fairy. He's uh, he's a human that wants to be a Kokiri, so he's cosplaying. And you meet Tingle's dad in this game, oh. and Tingle's dad is very embarrassed at what his son is doing with his life. <laughs> you didn't where you didn't realize that Tingle was. Yeah, he's just yeah, a guy. Like, I played this, like he's I said, I played this game that... when I was twelve. I didn't realize it. Oh yeah, no, it's Tingle. Tingle is particularly weird. There are some like you know you, you spoke a little bit about it earlier about how weird these NPCs are, but they're they're like there are a few that are just beyond the pale, even by Zelda standards, right? And Tingle's one of them. Yeah, and it was very funny that like 
you meet Tingle or like you know Tingle because Tingle's in Super Smash Brothers even like um he's part of that okay. level. And it was very funny like I I just didn't remember this that like you meet someone who's talking about how their son is an embarrassment to them and all their their son does is like play dress up and like pretend to be a fairy or something like that and I don't think that's what he says exactly but like he's definitely like talking about how his son is embarrassing to him and then you can put two and two together and realize that his son is Tingle uh who is a how old he's like over 30 and all he does is kind of hang out with these balloons having him float up in the air selling maps dressed like a uh, kokiri <laughs> he is he is a grown ass man in a an all green onesie with a red balloon stuck to his yeah. butt yeah now that is that is tangle. selling maps to little map boys sale. <laughs> buddy Back to the time loop, uh, a couple other things about the time loop. Um, you can speed up time. Um, and in the 3DS version, if you play the double song of time or whatever it's called, you can actually choose what time you want to fast forward to. Like you can say, I want to go to 3 p.m. on the next day. I'm not sure if you can do that in the uh, N64 version. You cannot. You okay. cannot. You got to start from day one, hour one. Okay. Or 6, 6 a.m., I think, is when you get... Lake wakes up early, so 6 a.m. Okay. is when it starts. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing that's cool in the 3DS version. You can choose exactly what time you want. Um, or you can play the uh, inverted song of time, um, which you literally, you just play the song of time backwards and that slows down time. I think it slows it down by half, like half speed. And mm-hmm. uh, the song of double time, you, instead of going do, 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 you go do, 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 like that. And the songs are weird. You're messing with time. So they are sufficiently weird, I think. <laughs> Appropriately so. Especially the backwards one. Oh, I always use the backwards one. I mean, that was every t- every every day when I every time I restarted the three day period, I would always use the the slow down time song. Yeah, I think it would be like a a weird sicko thing to not do that. You know? Yeah, like, I think so. I I feel like that's it's got to be the standard way to play it, and it's weird. The game never teaches you that. I don't think I never ran across. Zelda games are often like super heavy on tutorials and I don't remember them ever saying like, Hey, play the song of time backwards to slow down time. I don't remember that in this game. The only time they did it. And I'm trying to remember because you learn it from the scarecrow, right? Okay. So there's an NPC cause I didn't do anything with a scarecrow in this. Oh. Like I remember the scarecrow from when I was a kid. But when I played on the 3DS, I didn't do it. Huh. Yeah, I, for some reason, I thought that you meet the Scarecrow and he talks to you about how you can play this song to make time go faster and this to- song to make time go slower. But I could be making that up. You know, it may have just been something that I no, thought it sounds It sounds right. It sounds like that is probably true. I just didn't do it. I, I don't think you have to talk to that Scarecrow. And if well, I'm wrong, right, you don't. 
if I'm if you do have to talk to the scarecrow, then I just fast forwarded through all the dialogue because Zelda yeah. uh, dialogue is not super entertaining most of the time. So if I skipped it, then that's my fault. But I did expect like a forced tutorial that you can't skip where they're like, okay, Link, you cannot do anything else until you play the inverted song of time because that's what these games right. do. And that's definitely not something that happens. Have the owl talk to you, right? I mean, well, I'm glad the know. owl doesn't talk to you. Like in this game, that's one of the best things about Majora's Mask is that like, you don't have to sit and talk to the owl for five minutes before you can progress. There's a lot of tutorials and forced conversations and stuff like that, but uh, it's this was one of those things where I, I was playing and I was like, huh, I haven't learned the inverted song of time yet. And I don't remember how to do it because I haven't played in 20 years. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, maybe try playing it backwards. Yep, that's it. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so the time loop, like, overall, I think that, like, there are some times when it got kind of annoying, there were some times when I was pushed up against the end of the time loop trying to do something, um, but I think that it, the way that it plays into the story and, like, the themes and stuff and how things, like, kind of progress as time progresses in the game, it was one of the first games that I remember doing something like this, um, and I think that aspect of it still holds up pretty well. I, I agree. Like I said, I love this. I love this mechanic. Mechanic. I think that it um, it takes what is otherwise not that big of a game, uh, like a pretty shallow game, uh, and and deepens it, broadens it. It, you know, because what at least when I'm playing these games, I like I role play them a little bit, right? You know, I'm mm-hmm. I am when I'm playing these games. And so at least that three day mechanic leads to all of these ethical decisions you have to make about who you're going to help and who you're not going to help mm-hmm. <laughs> and what that, and that, what that means to the world at large. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I love the time loop mechanic uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah. Overall, like I said, I was worried that it would be annoying and I was worried that it would be too stressful and neither of those really turned out to be uh, the case. I think I got the intended effect from the time loop with both the gameplay and with the uh, story, which we're going to talk about after the music break. So we mentioned how that time loop is playing into the setting and the story of Majora's Mask. And so here is where we're going to kind of introduce that. So first, the setting of Majora's Mask. Um, This is different from most... Actually, Breath of the Wild kind of brought some of this back, depending on who you talk to in the game. Breath of the Wild NPCs don't have a lot to say, though, so I ended up not talking to most of them. But... Majora's Mask is known as the the sad Zelda game, the depressed Zelda game, uh, because, like we said, the moon is crashing down in three days, and uh, the NPCs are handling this with a very wide range of kind of, oh, opinions, 
coping mechanisms, etc. Um, <laughs> this is actually kind of interesting uh, compared to how it kind of felt in the year 2000. So some of the NPCs are real depressed about the fact that the world is going to end in three days. Uh, some of the NPCs are straight up in denial and saying like, nope, uh, we do not need to think about that moon at all. That moon is not a concern. Uh, let's go ahead and have the Clocktown Festival. Uh, we need to, uh, because we can't let the impending doom of the moon control our lives. Does that sound familiar to you at all, Alan, uh, in the year 2022? I don't think I've ever heard of anyone reacting to any crisis in that way, Dave. I've I don't think I've ever heard of anyone doing that in my life. Yeah, certainly not in the past few years. <laughs> the NPCs, uh, there were a lot of corollaries between Majora's Mask and and our our current situation or our the situation with uh with the coronavirus. I mean, least of which that everybody's wearing a mask everywhere in this game. <laughs> um, but. No, it's it is. It was funny to see the way that different people and different NPCs in the game were reacting to uh to it day by day because they're the dialogue usually changes day by day in this game, and so you mm -hmm. got to kind of watch watch the progression of how they were gonna how they were handling it. Uh, and like Dave said, some of them were some of them were terrified. They were shaking all over. Some of them were slapping their knees and going crazy. Um, some of them were refusing to acknowledge that there was an issue there was there was one guy who said he was going to stand there and cut the moon in half uh when it came down i mean it was <laughs> you know there's a just a a whole range of human emotion going into uh the moon falling on on clock down yeah and like you said there is some progression like from day to day like certain npcs they may be just like a normal person on day 1 and then on day 3 they're like in the fetal position like freaking out um there are uh very funny that clocktown doesn't have an alcohol bar cuz this is a zelda game but they have a milk bar uh that you must be an adult <laughs> to get into the milk bar and when you go in that's not like a code and it's like welcome to the milk bar which kind of vodka would you like sir it's not like that it's straight up milk um, but there are people who choose to spend the last moments of the earth in the milk bar uh, which i'm sure would be a thing um in oh is that the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy has that that famous quote you know go to the bar wait for this all to blow over like that um i think it's the hitchhiker's there guide. you go um yeah, there's there's a definitely a wide range of like it, like this is Zelda dialogue again. This isn't Disco Elysium. Like this this isn't going this isn't like emotionally resonating or something, but it is slight it is more interesting than the average Zelda games NPCs, the way that they're handling this. So I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I I agree. It's different than it, I mean it's certainly different than anything that we have seen from Zelda up until this point um another interesting thing that like the uh with the npcs and like the way they're reacting to the moon falling down is um clocktown uh will change not just like with the npcs um and like what they're doing and saying but also the music in clocktown changes between day to day and that was one of the coolest things like you heard at the very beginning of this episode the day one Clocktown music, and it's this very sweet, 
Zelda town music. It it sounds like, you know, standard Zelda music. And by standard, I mean like good Zelda music, right? And day three clock town music, uh, which I will cut in in a few seconds, day three clock town music is fucking unhinged and weird. And it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know. The music in this game was great. Uh, the way that they did Clocktown in particular, I think, is is really the the one that sets it apart. The rest of it is good, just pretty standard. Right. The uh, the three day cycle really let them do that. Let them make the music play to uh to kind of the atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, of what was going on. Shout out to the rain on day two. Um, you know, it just really, it, it played into the ambiance a little bit more, I think, than, uh, than a lot of other games at the time. I mean, it was, it's a big, it's a, a big music focus in Zelda games too. So. Yeah, for sure. So like the music in every Zelda game is really good. That's like you said, it's, it's a standard thing. Like every Zelda game that I've ever played has great music. No matter what I think about the rest of the game, the music is always awesome. And in Majora's Mask, I feel like they they had a bit more like reason, like uh, within the story, to make the music go a little bit more unhinged and get real creative to use the music to set more of a mood uh, in the game, as opposed to just like this is the. Hyrule Field music. This is the uh, Hyrule Castle Town music. This is the castle music. You know, and those themes are always good. But in in this game, they really are using that music to set that tone of like, this is the night of the third day. The world is going to end in four hours, and the music reflects <laughs> how people are feeling about this. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um, in other Zelda games, it was focused a lot on on location, and then if there was a bad guy around. Right. Uh, and those were the big music changes. And in this one, they definitely, they took, they took every advantage of this, uh, of this time loop to, to make all the facets of it play into, uh, into that. Some of the songs in this game remind me of like that, that scene in walk hard when Dewey Cox is doing cocaine and just like bringing in every instrument from every corner of the world and just going fucking wild. <laughs> like this is the best shit you've ever seen, man. Like uh, some of the songs in Majora's mask really make like really remind me of that. Cause they, they really, they're like, I like they told, I, they, 
seems like they told the composer like, Hey man, make the weirdest song you can think of. Like the most unhinged fucking wild song you can think of. Do it. And he's like, okay, let's go. (laughs) Oh, all right. So the story in Majora's Mask is a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. You're playing a boy Link. Um, after the end of Ocarina of Time, Link is uh, returned to uh, whatever age he is. He's like 11 years old or something. And uh, as any 11-year-old boy would do, after he saves the world at the end of Ocarina of Time, he sets out on his own. And when the story picks up, uh, he is alone in a big forest. Uh, he is searching for Navi, uh, who was his fairy in Ocarina of Time. Uh, I don't know why Link is searching for Navi and not enjoying the peace and quiet, but he's searching for Navi. Um, and as he's in the forest, he is ambushed by this character named the Skull Kid, uh, wh- who was in Ocarina of Time, but it, it's a very missable side character who doesn't really do anything important uh, in this game. Link is ambushed by the Skull Kid and the Skull Kid's two fairies. Uh, They steal Epona and they steal the Ocarina of Time. Link follows them uh, to get his shit back, Uh, but Link is cursed to turn (laughs) into the Deku Scrub and forever be barked at by dogs. Uh, The fairy named, I think it's named Tattle. It makes sense because the other one's name is Tail, so Tattle and Tail. Uh, Very clever Mm -hmm. Nintendo. The fairy Tattle was trying to keep Link away from the Skull Kid, but ended up getting separated. So Tattle becomes Link's fairy for this game. Uh, real quick, I think Tattle is much less annoying than Navi and some of the later companions in Zelda games. I think Tattle strikes a fine balance between like helping you out, giving you information, but also shutting the fuck up sometimes, which not all Zelda companions do. Uh, Tattle was a lot less formal than Navi. Yeah. I mean, Navi, you know, Navi was in on everything. Navi was all over the place. I feel like they did kind of refine that a little bit in Majora's Mask and not have your fairy running all the way across dungeons and saying like, hey, look over here, look over here. Um, And if I recall correctly, Tattle doesn't tell you to, hey, listen or anything like that i think it just flashes up there yeah i think he makes like a kind of like a ringing sound or something like that but it's it's way less annoying than navi hey look listen yeah it's it's not that all the time so like if you are annoyed by you know your fairy in ocarina of time this one will still talk to you and do all of that stuff, but it's like it's toned way down, I think. So Tattle joins Link, uh, and Link is going to help get back to the Skull Kid and back to Tattle's um, sister, I think. Tail, sister, brother, I can't remember. Who cares what gender I the think fairies t- are? I think Tattle is the sister and Tail is the brother, if okay. I recall correctly. Okay. Something like that. Uh, so. Uh, Link gets cursed, though, and he's no longer a uh, strapping young lad of 11. Uh, He is a little Deku scrub now. And you run into the mask (laughs) salesman, who is maybe the most memorable character from uh, this game. The mask salesman was in Ocarina of Time, and I think he's like, I think he uses like 
basically the same like character model and stuff like that. But uh, in this mm-hmm. game, they do a lot of stuff to make the mask salesman really weird. You kind of get the feeling like, so the mask salesman says like, Link, I can heal your curse, but the Skull Kid stole this mask called Majora's Mask. Uh, I need you to uh, help me get that back, uh, and then I'll turn you back into a human. And all the while he's saying this, he's like, they do a bunch of like frame jumps, and he has these like wild changes in his facial uh, expressions and stuff like that. They really make the mask salesman like, this is right at the beginning of the game, and this is your first clue that like this game's going to be real weird the way that the mask salesman handles himself. Yeah, I mean the the mask salesman's pretty terrifying. Um, it definitely is something that because you meet him, um, you know, maybe five minutes in, right? Right? You know, yeah, you it's after all the cutscenes are brief over. cinematic. Yeah, and you, and you meet the mask sales salesman and um. And you just know right off that this is <clears throat> this is going to be a different kind of game, yeah. Because uh, just because of the way they that they did the animation, a different kind of game from from a Zelda game, uh, from Ocarina of Time that you would, <laughs> you know, were probably still playing, yeah. Um, when you got this, uh, you know, just because uh, even just the movement, let alone the facial expressions, but how manic the movement was. Like I remember that first scene. Still, I played it in like December or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that first scene, the way that he was bobbing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and also, how was he gonna ta- how was he gonna change you back? Like, was he gonna use the mask? Use the power of the mask? Then is that was that the plan? I I don't know. Like he. My point is, I think that he's the bad guy. You know, I'm. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's the bad guy, but you you definitely do get like a sense that there's something weird about this guy. This guy's not normal. He might have some kind of magical powers, but he's definitely not normal. And like I was just thinking like like you said, this is like 5 minutes into the game when you meet him in Ocarina of Time. Your Link is in, you know, the Kokiri uh village. He's like talking to all his friends, having a good time, you know, like jumping around collecting some rupees so he can buy a shield and stuff like that. And then five minutes into this game, you're like, you're talking to this guy who looks like he's fucking possessed by a demon or something. He's like, like you said, he's like, he's like bobbing back and forth, like rocking back and forth. His face goes from like no expression to like very freaky face in like, like literally like one frame will just like switch over like that. There's no like, you know, gradual change of emotions. He's just like snapping from one emotion to another. Real weird dude. And the song that plays in there is weird too. It is a weird song in there. That that whole that whole scene, like inside the uh inside the clock tower is uh really cool. But it's another situation where I feel like they put a lot of work into something that was so minor in the scale of the entire game, but but still left an impact. Yeah, you you um, kind of get the feeling like you're going to have to deal with the mask salesman a bunch and like he's going to be mm-hmm. like this, you know, unhinged, I don't know, master or like teacher of some kind or like you're going to have to report to him or something like that and you really you go back after the first loop uh when you get the ocarina. Mm-hmm. But that's it. You don't 
talk to him again until like the end of the game. Unless you want to talk to him, uh, you can go. I doubt he has much to say. If that's what you're into. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did. I did. He just gets mad at you because you haven't gotten his mask back yet. Right. Exactly. That, that's that's his game. That is your goal. Your goal is to get the Majora's Mask and stop the Skull Kid. And like we talked about before, at the same time, uh, the moon is falling and the moon is going to destroy the world in three days. And you get the feeling that like the Skull Kid is causing the moon to fall. But I read some things that say that that's not the case. And the Skull Kid, they're like two things happening concurrently, not like the Skull Kid is bringing the moon down. I always got the impression that the Skull Kid was bringing the moon down, but that might not be the case. I did. I did too. I mean, I've, I've, I've also read a similar theory. Which, folks, if you're really interested, there are a lot of fan theories about what's going on in this game. Yeah, I mean, like a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm pretty convinced that Skull Kid is bringing the moon down. There are a couple scenes where, you know, he's definitely doing something to the moon right and there is like a lot of established zelda like lore and timelines and stuff like that i don't really care about that i said that when on the episode about uh, metroid dread there's a similar thing where there's a bunch of like metroid lore and metroid story that i cannot bring myself to care about zelda stuff is kind of the same way like the stuff that's happening in the game itself I will pay attention to, uh, but Zelda games are not the kind of games where I'm like playing and trying to connect the dots while I'm playing, you know? So sure. I read those theories that say that like, no, these are concurrent things happening. The skull kids not bringing down the moon. And I basically kind of just hand waved that and said like, well, works better for me if the skull kid is bringing down the moon. So that's what I'm going with. Sounds like you're reading a bunch of, Skull Kid apologist propaganda, Dave. Skull Kid fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah, Skull Kid fan fiction. So, which is probably a thing. Uh, the last thing about the story is you start out the game uh, without your ocarina, and your goal before you can do anything else is you have to get to the top of the clock tower uh, by the end of the third day. At midnight on the third day, the doors at the clock tower will open. You can go in and confront the Skull Kid. Um, you get your ocarina back and then that's not the end of the game. When I was a little kid, I thought that would be the end of the game, but it's that, like I said, that takes like a half hour. So, um, you get your ocarina back and then the game actually begins. Um, because after that you learn, I think it's called the song of healing where you can take off, uh, the Deku mask. You can become a uh, boy link again. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, the game is on after that. We will talk about stuff that happens later in the spoiler section, but that's the story of Majora's Mask. Just like any Zelda game, this is not a story that's going to stick with me and make me, like, you know, examine things in my real life or even be super memorable. But for a Zelda game, it's a unique uh, story. I like that it's not just, you know, Ganon. Guess what, everybody? Ganon's back. It's not one of those Zelda games. <laughs> you know how you killed Ganon? You shoved a sword through his fucking forehead at the end of the last game. Guess what? He's back. Didn't uh, take. like that. Yeah. Didn't take that one. <laughs> yeah, you, you missed the brain. So you got to hit the brain when you shove the sword through his forehead. Um, that's how Wind Waker ends. 
you just made him stupid, you know? Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, so, you gotta really yeah, get it, it in It is there. cool that it's not Ganon. Uh, and they, they were able to come up with something else. Because like, like we said, they only had a couple years to make this game. They could have just been like, well, we have these two, we have this Ganondorf boss fight and this, this big Ganon monster boss fight. It's already made. We can like, you know, make it fit in this game. But they decided to do something different. And uh, I like it for that, for sure. I liked the story. I thought that it was a little bit different um, than a lot of other video games uh, in that uh, the focus was all on these, was the biggest bulk of the stories were these miniature stories, these small stories that took place in the three-day time that you had to, you had to cycle through that three-day time. If you wanted to do all of these stories, you had to cycle through it probably 24 times if there are 24 masks, um, mm-hmm. at the very least, uh, because you have to time them all out. Um, so I, I liked that part about the story. There were, there were a lot of kind of like adult themes in Majora's Mask, like the big focus on, on like grief and, uh, and death. Uh, in this and you know love and loss is it's all over in Majora's Mask mm-hmm. I mean like yeah you were talking about like you even something as simple as uh you know you lose all the items you collected every single time you start over on the first day something as small as that um but you also lose all the all of like the goodwill that you've earned with the people uh yep, that that's you've done true. things for uh and also all of you know the bad things that you've done to people are forgotten as well. Mm-hmm. And I also thought the, I guess the, the third thing I was thinking about this story that's kind of different about other Zelda stories is that this isn't like Link's home, right? Right. And this is, you know, so this is, he's not like the hero of time here. He was, he was just kind of brought here. He's a Deku uh, scrub at the beginning. He's like he's, what feels like the lowest rung on the society ladder. He's a Deku scrub at the beginning. Uh, Dave and the dogs, none of them like Deku scrubs, except for their <laughs> pipes, because their pipes are great. Um, but, you know, so he gets dragged into this uh, this world that is doomed, right? I mean, everybody's miserable. And the moon mm-hmm. is falling. This world is doomed. And Link still saves the world, even though it's doomed, even though it's not his world. He's not even supposed to be there. Um, so I, I like the story. Uh, I think that it really, even though it doesn't take place in, you know, Hyrule, where Link is from and where all of Link's games take place and his stories are, mm-hmm. um, it's still. I think it adds to to the character of Link. It's definitely interesting. And it's one of those games that like, I knew that all that stuff was there, even though I hadn't replayed it in a long time. So that was part of the like desire to replay this. It was part of the reason I wanted to play this and do an episode on it instead of Ocarina of Time. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm not ruling out talking about Ocarina of Time on the show at some later point. But when I was thinking like, I want to play an old Zelda game or like even just revisit a game from my childhood Majora's Mask was like hey that one is actually interesting it has some things to talk about other than 
you know, meet Princess Zelda and figure out how to kill Ganondorf, which is, you know, almost every Zelda game's basic plot. And this game right. doesn't have Princess Zelda. It doesn't have Ganondorf. Um, it's it's its own thing, and that is pretty cool. And then they basically went back to the Zelda Ganon formula for every other Zelda game afterwards, to the best of my uh, memory. I can't remember another Zelda game where you don't fight Ganon at the end. Someone will let you know if there is. Someone will let me know if there is, <laughs> if there is yeah. Uh, but at least in the 3D ones, um, maybe in Skyward Sword, because I never beat Skyward Sword. But I don't yeah, think I anyway, did either. Pretty, uh, pretty cool, pretty interesting. Like, it is cool that they are, they have characters that are going through adult things uh, in the game. But it is a Zelda game, and each character will have a couple lines of dialogue, uh, unless you go through some pretty lengthy side quests. Um, there may be a little bit more to dig into there, but it's little bites of these kind of themes in Majora's Mask and not like a full exploration of it. Um, but again, it's a Zelda game. That's that's not what these games are trying to do. You're still on an adventure. Uh, that's right. the core part of it. So uh, let's talk about the kind of uh, what I have in quotes here as Zelda stuff. Um <laughs> Uh, which is uh, just real quick touching on like uh, the classic game mechanics uh, in Zelda games. So the first one is uh, using your musical instrument to uh, do stuff. So you have your ocarina. We mentioned before the Deku Scrub has some pipes, the Goron has some drums, and the Zora has a, a guitar made of fish bones, just like the other Zelda, um, the other 3D games. Well, the... Uh, Maybe some of the 2D games too. I'm not going to spend waste time thinking. Um, <laughs> you use your uh, use your music to manipulate time, manipulate the weather. I uh, use it to fast travel. I uh, use it to solve puzzles. Um, we already talked about the music itself. The music is really good. Um, this game has a couple of puzzle solving mechanics, or one in particular that I think is very tedious. Uh, later in the game when you use a song to make copies of yourself and you have to do that with all the masks. Yeah, it's terrible. I thought it was, yeah, interesting, like, puzzle design to make copies of yourself, but, like, tedious, you have though. to play a yeah. song every time you do it. That's tedious, I think. But uh, the music is good, and then the other stuff, like, if you've played a Zelda game, you know, you know, hey, if I want to make it rain, play the Song of Storms. Um, stuff like that using songs to fast travel that's all pretty standard zelda stuff other than the like duplication song i think it's called the elegy of emptiness um i think it's fine uh those kind of music mechanics and like we said before the music itself is very good as always yeah the the mechanics i think were essentially the same as an ocarina of time I mean, yeah. obviously, some of the songs did a couple different things, but, you know, you go to X place, you learn Y song and C, Z function. But, yeah, uh, for sure. That that duplicate, that that part is just. Because uh, you have to it's not just playing the song every time. It's the cinematic of creating the duplicate. That was 
that's the frustrating part for me. Oh, can you not skip it on the N64? Because on 3DS, you can skip you can skip the animations. I could not skip that animation. No. Ooh, another quality of life uh, check mark for the 3DS. You can skip those animations. It's still tedious, even if you can skip the animations. Yeah. No. I mean, it was a uh, like nothing in the game takes that long. Like we were talking about, nothing is that intensive in this game. Um, but that was one part that I really, really would have liked to have played it on on the Switch or the DS or something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, combat in this game is basically the same as Ocarina of Time. Like, I don't think they changed anything in the combat between Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And still similar to, like, almost everything um throughout like the rest of the series like basically until breath of the wild zelda combat Mm -hmm. was always basically the same um based on uh z targeting uh locking on to opponents kind of circling around hold up your shield um you have a backflip and like sidestep dodges and stuff like that but it's really not necessary you can block anything uh, in the game, basically. So, uh, combat's really, really easy, but in this game, combat is mixed up a little bit because you have the masks, especially at the beginning of the game when you can't change masks and you're stuck as the Deku scrub. All you can do is a little ballerina twirl that looks like it hits stuff with like the end of your hat basically i think it's your hat yeah Yeah. you're just smacking them with your hat a little bit (laughs) that's what's making contact um but the zor or the uh the goron has a big punch um the goron can also hurt things by rolling into them uh the zora has a boomerang the zora has like some you know quick uh you know martial arts type moves uh punch punch kick uh stuff like that and then you have the sword uh so the combat also has the the shield that he can use. Right. And the Zora, if you're underwater, the Zora has like an electricity field move, uh, which mm-hmm. really helps because underwater combat is super annoying. And in this one, you can just like tap that shield on and it'll just kill anything that's around you. That's super useful. Uh, but yeah, combat, this is something that like, if I was able to view this game in the context of a game that came out in the year 2000, I might say that this combat is uh, even inventive, like Ocarina of Time's combat felt like it was. But in the year 2022, when I'm playing this, at the same time I'm playing Dark Souls 3, very simplistic, very, very easy. Literally just hold your shield up. It's probably fine. <laughs> You're probably going to be all right. Yeah. No, I I um, I like Zelda combat. I, it's nice. Very straightforward. You Z target mm-hmm. something. You hold your shield up. If you want to dance around, you can. You can do backflips, side jumps, dodge, roll, whatever you want. Um, but then you just have to press B and hit it with your sword, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah, the and then repeat, and that kind of extends to boss fights too. Like on this show, even I've described a lot of boss fights as Zelda bosses where. They have some kind of gimmick. You figure out the gimmick. You do whatever it is like that you're supposed to do, you know, 
um, shoot the glowing eye or something like that, run up sure. and smack it with your sword when it falls down, and then do that process three times and the boss fight's over. Uh, Majora's Mask is like that. That's basically how they work until the final boss, I think, is pretty creative. But the regular ones are all basically like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that they it's a, a little bit different because of the math, right? So yeah. outside of, you know, the first the first temple, you still haven't been able to, uh, you're still stuck as Deku Scrub, right? Right. think so. Are you? Maybe mm. not. No, you aren't because you can use bomb. And right. Because but each boss fight bomb. in the temples use the mask. Like they, they require right. you to use the mask to solve the puzzle of the boss. So the first temple, yes. you need to be a Deku scrub to do what, you know, that boss is requiring of you. And then when you do figure that out, then you take the mask off, you bash it with your sword, and then you repeat. I feel like the other, I feel like the masks offer other opportunities with bosses after the first one, though. Like the boss in the second temple. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's, I don't want to spoil it or anything. Um, I don't oh, know what it's necessarily constitutes a spoiler, but yeah, I don't know. Like, so the boss in the sem- second temple uses your main skill as a Goron, which is to roll around really fast. And so you're using right. that in the boss fight. And then the one in the Zora temple uses your ability as a Zora to swim really fast. So, and, and you can effectively beat either of those bosses without using your sword at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think so. Which is neat. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And so like I don't know, a lot of uh, a lot of Zelda boss fights are just like, you know, okay, in this temple I got the hook shot. So the boss fight is going to be 100% focused around using the hook shot. And yeah. If I don't know what to do, I just shoot the hook shot at the boss and it'll probably do something. Like it'll probably solve the puzzle for me. And these are a little bit more involved, but they're still made in a way that, you know, when I was 10 years old or 11 years old or whatever, I didn't think it was hard then. And I still think that most of these bosses are super easy. Yeah, I I didn't think any of the bosses were that difficult, um, but I thought that they were a lot of fun. There's and one I in particular that, that I thought that were added. really fun. Yeah. I liked two of them, like in particular. I mean, not including the final boss, because I didn't get the one thing that you need to have to make the final boss super fun. Mm-hmm. Right. But no, I, I really liked the mechanic that was added via mask for the second boss and the fourth boss. You know, they're unique mechanics, unique ways yeah. to, to fight those two. It's uh, it's definitely unique. I hated the fourth boss like with a passion. I thought that was so bad. We'll talk about it in the spoiler section, but I agree the second boss was really fun. Uh the first and third were fine. Um mm-hmm. fine. And then the final boss is maybe the most interesting final boss that a Zelda game has ever had because it's not Ganon and you're not killing him it the isn't. same way you've always killed Ganon. So that's uh that's pretty cool. Uh, the bosses are interesting, I guess. Uh and they are they all still boil down to like figure out what the puzzle is 
and then bash it with your sword. But figuring it out uses the masks instead of like, you know, like I said, I picked up the hook shot, use the hook shot. So, yeah. And that kind of ties into another standard Zelda thing, which are the temples. Uh, there are four main temples in this game. Uh, like we said before, Alan said, uh, Termina Field is like this big donut, and then there are four big spokes going off from it, and each one has a temple. And I think this is one of the best things about this game, like from a gameplay perspective. I think the temples are really good. I think they're better than most of the temples in the other, uh, in Ocarina of Time. If we're just going to keep making that comparison, uh, because the temples here have individual rooms with individual puzzles, but for most of the temples, the temple itself is also a big puzzle that you have to manipulate and solve in order to get to the end. Right, and so you have to do those those outer puzzles, those mini-room puzzles, all around the outside of usually a center area in the main dungeon in order to utilize the switches and uh and things like that to get to the boss you know so it i agree i think that they're i think that the dungeons in this one even though there are fewer of them um are are so much put together so much better than uh the dungeons in ocarina of time there's no dungeon that is the water temple in in this game yeah there's no dungeon that you play and you just dread having to play it there is a water temple, but it's not as annoying right. as the water temple. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. And I found that, you know, with the caveat that I'm, uh, how old am I? By the time this episode comes out, I'll be 34 years old. And I consider myself to be of at least average intelligence. So with that caveat, <laughs> I found that the, like, the greater puzzle of the dungeon almost solved itself as you go through if you realize what the puzzle is they're not trying to like trick you into making mistakes that are going to waste a bunch of your time like the water temple did if you raise the water level to the right. wrong thing then you're like fuck i have to go all the way back and play the song and lower the water level again just so i can get into this one room these kind of sort themselves out if you recognize what the puzzle is um as you're going through. So like in the, um, in the second temple, the, the puzzle is you have to get these floors to line up with each other by knocking these, uh, things out of like the main central pillar. And as soon as you recognize that you're like, okay, well, next time I open up a door and I see that I'll just bash that pillar out of the way. The game's not going to punish you for doing that too early or something like that, which I feel like an earlier game may have done. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it's pretty simple, and then when it all clicks together, it feels pretty good. Uh, again, even someone like me, who is not, you know, I'm not great at puzzles uh, like this, I found it to be pretty natural. I think that you're right. I think that it uh, natural is a good, I think, a, a good descriptor for the feel and the function of these dungeons like you said it kind of puts itself together for you as you go through these outer rooms and then you wind up back in the center and so the whatever whatever you're supposed to get out of these outer rooms it it flows through the course of the game and you 
finding your way back to the center area that you always seem to find your way back into either climbing up or climbing down mm-hmm. um in the yeah. case of the second temple rolling over those jumps which gave me fits yeah it doesn't control the best those uh those yeah those oh those platforms you're rolling on to get to those ramps are pretty uh yeah. pretty narrow yeah no that one that one gave me fits that was that was the one i guess if i did have a complaint about uh, Majora's Mask it was just the the control I think that you have over uh, they are uh, simultaneously very delicate and completely indelicate at the same time <laughs> it's a it's a thing that like newer I feel like if if they were to remake Majora's Mask like with modern you know programming and you know, game engines, it would be a lot more precise, especially with the Goron rolling. Uh, it doesn't turn out to right. be so precise in this game. Um, another thing about the temples is all the temples have these stray fairies uh, around, which are kind of like, oh. they require you to look around and sometimes solve little mini puzzles uh, to find. Each temple has 15 of these fairies. Um if you get all of them and you go back to the great fairy fountain, uh, you will get a reward. Uh, sometimes the reward is really awesome. Like, and they change these between the N64 and the 3DS version. So the, in the N64 version, I think it's like the second or third temple. Finding all the fairies doubles your magic. That's the first temple in the 3DS version. Uh, so I did that. I doubled my magic, and then I never did these uh, ever again because I looked at the reward. I think there was one that like halves the damage that you take or something like that, uh, but I didn't yep. do it because I didn't need it because this game's easy. Uh, so I didn't really mess with that. But uh, there are the- they are there collectibles for you to find, and um, a lot of times they involve looking in hard to reach places or solving some kind of like very, very small puzzle in order to find them uh, in the temple. But you also have the great fairies mask that helps you do that a little bit. Yeah. Um, And so you, a lot of times the fairies are in bubbles, so you can't just like wear the mask. You have to pop the bubble somehow, like shoot an arrow or something. But other than that, like you don't, it's not like, you know, platforming challenges to find these once the things are you can if you see it just shoot it with an arrow and put the mask on and it'll fly to you you know so they're not they could have been really really tedious i don't think they are but some of them are very very hidden and so like when i was going through the later temples and not like really looking for them i would find maybe half of them in the temples you know yeah, they're it's because they're hiding behind like false walls and you know Yeah, sometimes. Down in, in pits and things like that. I hated the stray fairies. Um I you know, I mean I, I love what they give you and don't get me wrong, I went and I got the double magic too, and it was a, a pain in my ass, but it was worth it to get double magic because mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes the game more fun. Yeah. But it it probably adds you know, like 30 or 40 minutes. I, well, maybe not 40 minutes, but maybe like 30 minutes onto the, uh, each temple. 
Yeah. To try like, to find all those stray fairies. And that kind of includes like resetting time and starting over from day one if you want to get all the fairies. Um because right. I was I was never able to go through the dungeon, like do the whole dungeon experience and get all the fairies in one go. I the 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 time that I got all the fairies I had to reset and go back and try to get all of them. Yeah. No, I think that I wound up getting 12 or 13 on my playthrough of the uh of the first temple and so i went back and i got those too because i just but i had to restart time right you know it was very frustrating the rewards you get are good though i think you get like they are um you get double magic there's one that halves the damage you take there's i think later you get like this game's version of the big goron sword by getting all the fairies yeah so the rewards are good uh, but the rewards are not necessary because the game's really easy. And I think that's okay. Like, it would have sucked if they were like, you know, if the game was so difficult that you had to do these to, like, survive. To have them. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, it is optional. Agreed. The Great Fairy's Sword looks cool. Um, yeah. It's... Very cool. Not the most, Not the most fun to collect them, but, like... Like I said, the rewards are good. So that's that's why I kept my initial save file so I could just go back and play with with all of those things that I got when I was twelve years old. Right. <laughs> um, some other miscellaneous stuff uh, in the game is uh, you have lots of heart pieces to collect. I there are a ton of heart pieces. A lot of them are connected to masks uh, that you do uh, or. NPC side quests. A lot of times I would find some kind of side quest to do for an NPC that would result in a heart piece or a mask. Those are the two basic rewards that you get uh, for doing those. Uh, we have these things called Sculptula houses uh, in the game. Uh, I think there are two of them, and they are these houses where the inhabitants have been cursed, turned into spider people. And uh, you have to go inside and kill the gold sculptulas, <laughs> similar to Ocarina of Time, collect the tokens. I remember these being really big, like when I was a kid. I remember them being massive and difficult. And then in this replay, I was like, "Oh, these take like these take ten minutes to do, and they're very easy." <laughs> Just like my kid brain and my kid memories showing there. Uh, but I enjoyed those. They're they're fine. Uh, I did have to check a guide a few times because there's a couple of things I just wouldn't have thought to do. But overall, I think the Sculptula houses are cool. Yeah, no, I agree. Sculptula houses, Sculptula houses were actually, I think, really well put together going back through them this time. Yeah. I thought they were a lot of fun. I had to look stuff up, too, because, I mean, there was... I didn't think that I had lost all of that information that I had saved about Majora's Mask in my head <laughs> from, you know, 15 years ago. Or That's whatever, what you get for going to law school. You forgot where the sculptulas are. Yeah, I forgot where all the sculptulas were in the uh, in the swamp sculptula house. Um, yeah. But no, the, the sculptula houses were really put together. It was it was a good time. Uh, there's also a bunch of mini games like all Zelda games have, uh, 3D Zelda games, shooting galleries, uh, different kinds of racing. I think there's at least I think there's at least three kinds of racing in this game. There's horse racing, 
There is oh, yeah. Goron Racing and there's Zora Racing. And there might be another one with the bunny hood, but I can't remember. Bunch of racing, shooting galleries, stuff like that. Uh, lots of other, you said Bomb Chew mini games. Uh, did you do a bunch of those? Did you enjoy the mini games? I didn't play a bunch of the mini games. Uh, because usually you only get like rupees and uh, heart pieces. Like, yeah, heart pieces for that stuff. And they're. Like you said, there are a lot of heart pieces in this game, so uh, running out of life wasn't really an issue for me that often. Uh, right, and you get un- you get unlimited lives in Zelda. That's one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, I did shooting galleries. I had a good time. Like I always like Zelda nice. shooting galleries, and um, the 3DS has gyro aiming. So like, oh, cool. You can like tilt the 3DS to aim and help like like really precisely aim quickly. So that was kind of fun in the shooting galleries. I think the racing mini games suck. Like I think they're real bad, especially Goron uh, racing. If you think rubber banding is a problem in Mario Kart, uh, Goron racing has some of the worst rubber banding uh, ever. You, You can race perfectly, not make a single mistake and dudes will just like slingshot past you just because that's what the game tells you like you can't dominate the competition as this legendary goron champion that you're playing uh the rubber banding is real bad the zora swimming one has you swimming through rings while underwater which is annoying um because you know underwater controls are rarely satisfying i do feel like since we're on the topic of underwater controls that uh they were actually really good in this one compared to compared to ocarina of time you know, when you were swimming as Link in Ocarina of Time versus oh, yeah. swimming as, as a Zora in Majora's Mask. I mean, it's, it was night or day. I thought, I thought that the Zora swimming mechanic was pretty neat, honestly. Yeah, it's like it's fine. When you're swimming out in the water or in the temple, I agree. It was right. pretty good. But um, in, in that river. In the tough. racing thing, when you're trying to like precisely go through these rings, and if you miss a ring, you mm-hmm. have to like go back and turn around and go through it again that sucked uh but yeah agree overall underwater controls are rarely good in any video game and in majora's mask i think that they're uh fine so (laughs) any other kind of like side stuff that you spent spent time doing um i spent a lot of time mask collecting oh yeah of course this last week, I uh, I went back and um, and I looked up guides on how to get the masks. I just looked up a list of the masks and and mm-hmm. picked out ones that I thought were going to be fun and went went and got all of those non necessary masks. Um, I think that that's one of the uh, most appealing aspects of this game is, and I've I guess I've said it a couple times, are those little those small quests because I you know. I like playing games where I only have to sit down for 15 minutes at a time. Play mm-hmm. it. True. I've, I, I have the same attention span I had when I was 10 years old. <laughs> and so like, it really, it helps me to be able to, to go and jump on a giant mushroom, learn how to dance from a ghost and then go teach some orphans how to dance. I mean, like 15 minutes front to end. And, uh, and boom, your quest complete. 
I've got myself a dancing mask. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is true. None of the, none of the quests really take that long to do, except for that one that, you know, yeah, takes the whole three day thing. But yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't do a ton of other side stuff in the game. I didn't make an attempt to get all the masks kind of cause like there's no benefit to it except having the mask. No. Like none of the masks are useful. Uh, none of those optional ones are super useful except the bunny hood. Um, I think the great fairies mask, I think the game forces you to get that one. You can miss the bunny hood. And like, I think I got like halfway through the game and I was realizing like, Hey, I don't have the bunny hood. I, I should probably go get that. And I had to look up where that is, but I didn't do a ton of side stuff. So let's get into our kind of like final thoughts before the spoiler section and just kind of like sum up how do we feel about Majora's Mask in the year 2022 if if that's the way that we're looking at it like that's the way I'm looking at it Alan how about you how do you feel about Majora's Mask are you, would you recommend that people play this even like for the first time or revisit it like me for the first time since 2000 revisit 100% I don't know if I'd recommend people go out and purchase a copy of it especially if they don't have access to if they'd have to get a console to play it on or something like that Mm -hmm. um but i i loved it um i think and the more the more that i've thought about it the more and more i've liked it Uh, it's probably the most charming zelda game that is out there i mean i haven't played wind waker a ton Mm -hmm. and i've heard great things about wind waker yeah wind waker's good you know but I, i this one there are so many so many funny quirks in the timeline and um so many characters so many you know interesting and fun characters for such a a simple game that i really thought that it even today while it doesn't have the depth of a lot of a lot of the bigger games and and the new games um I think that that charm still shows through. I, I, I'm not going to get into a bunch of experiences and stuff. I'll, I'll wait on that. Um, but so, you know, I mean, the charm and then the themes that were here that were in this game, you know, and I talked about them earlier too: death and love and uh, how people how people act under pressure, um, all the hidden content uh, that they put in these games that, you know, there are things in this game that you'll you they designed into the game but did not put on the story right i mean you don't run into these things um which is i i think pretty funny in in a game like this that seems like it was pushed out really quickly uh but is still of such high quality so also i think that it says a lot about link that he didn't take advantage of this situation that he was in where he was living a groundhog's day and just like steal or murder a bunch of people or gamble or you know (laughs) all those things drown his sorrows at the milk bar yeah drown his sorrows in the milk bar exactly yeah i think i'm with you this this game has i first of all i i think i would recommend people revisit this if you're like me and you haven't played it since you're a kid i i do i do think there is still something here to enjoy uh for sure 
even though I think that I don't think that the combat has aged particularly well, but that's kind of fine because the game is very easy. Like if this game was really hard and the combat didn't age well, I think it would have had issues with it. But as it is, it it feels kind of dated, but it's also very easy. So it doesn't get in the way of you enjoying the things that do make this game unique. So like like you said, the themes uh, that the game kind of is built around, those are good. Um, they explore them to the level of detail that you would expect a Zelda game to explore themes of death and loss and impending doom and stuff like that but they are there and like i mentioned before the music in this really reinforces that uh, a little bit there's some weird stuff uh, in the game too that like if you are interested in seeing kind of nintendo flexing its muscles to create something that's very strange there's a lot of strange stuff in this game too and that was kind of what made me want to revisit this instead of like playing wind waker again or playing ocarina of time again it's that all of those things and i think that those held up uh, pretty well and the uh the temple design i think was um like a nice little bonus that i wasn't expecting because i didn't remember the temples being that good and i like them more than I like the temples in uh, Ocarina of Time. I think that they're just a little bit more complex uh, in this game without being frustrating. So this is uh, kind of surprising to me that I came out enjoying it as much as I did. And I said this at the beginning of the episode, but I think a lot of my complaints about like my experience playing the game are simply because the 3DS is not comfortable. (laughs) and um (laughs) there were some parts of the game that were a little bit frustrating but were also extra frustrating because my hands actually hurt playing the 3ds uh with the control stick the 3ds is so small uh so maybe i need to buy some kind of like grips or something like that for the 3ds but other any anyway the game itself, I think, is holds up pretty well, and I think I do recommend it to people. So, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into spoiler talk. Um, the first thing is uh, that we are now... Uh, <laughs> we have had a Discord active for a couple months by the time this episode comes out, but I record episodes very early, so I haven't been mentioning it in very many episodes uh, in actual recorded voice on the episodes. So. We have a Discord server. It is active. We have lots of channels, and we have cool people in there talking about video games and other uh, subjects, too. So if you would like to come in and chat about Majora's Mask, if you want to talk about your experiences, we have a Discord server. You're welcome to join us. You'll find a link in the episode description to join us there. Also, Alan and I are hosts of a Top 3 podcast, which is a show where uh, me and Alan and two other weird dudes uh, talk about different topics each each episode. We do our top three lists in those topics. Um, so check out a top three podcast uh, if that sounds interesting to you. Other than that, if you would like to support Tales from the Backlog, things uh, to do are subscribe and uh, spread the good word, chat on social media, all of that stuff. You'll find links in the episode description. Everything's in the episode description. And 
Yeah, if this has been helpful uh, to you, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving a rating and review. That would be very helpful as well. I'm saying the word helpful a lot. lot. I need better adjectives. Uh, That would be good. Superb. Superb. Yes. Thank you, Alan. Okay. So uh, we're going to take a break when we come back. It is spoiler time for Majora's Mask. Okay, I'm back with Alan, and we're talking spoilers for The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. And so I think this spoiler section is going to be pretty slight because I don't have a lot of like story stuff to talk about. So uh, first of all, were there any, I guess we can talk freely, like were there any temples or bosses that you thought had cool mechanics or something else that you thought was really memorable? We talked a little bit about it earlier, but goat, yeah, goat, I think is probably that's like my it's the boss in the second temple, and he is appropriately a a big goat, um, that you chase around as a Goron, uh, and the mechanic that you use is uh when you roll for long enough without running into something as a Goron, you uh, have spikes that pop out of your back and it allows you to roll much more quickly and with better traction. Mm -hmm. Um, and it uses magic, but anyway, the, uh, the, the mechanic that they use in this one, uh, you essentially, you chase goat around this big track, uh, as a Goron and then take these ramps and land on his back to knock him down. Yeah. Uh, which is just so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, I remembered it being really fun like back back when I was a kid. I remember that being like some of the most fun I've ever had in a game was that boss fight. And I'm yeah, happy to say that it's still really fun. Again, if I was playing on something that's not a 3DS with that bullshit control stick, it would have been even more fun. But as it is, it was still uh, pretty good. That's probably my favorite boss fight in the game too. The Zora one also takes advantage of like the Zora's like underwater swimming, but it's just not as fun as rolling right. around as a Goron. No, no, I I think that I think full stop. Goat is definitely the best. I I also really liked the giant centipede one, uh, just because of the novelty of the giant mask. I hated that. I felt like it was so imprecise, like the controls, like to knock it down to where you can actually do damage I found to be really hard and I like I died like at least five times trying to get it because you like the hitboxes or something like that was just kind of imprecise and I really really hated it when it's like jumping (laughs) out of the sand and like flying around I, I actually had to look it up like how to do it and you have to hit it I think you have to hit it like five or six times during that phase which means you basically have to be perfect you can't get hit at all then you can knock it down and then you can grab it by the tail and slam it around or something like that the novelty oh, and like Dave. the spectacle of it was really cool and i don't remember it being really hard on the n64 but 
in the 3DS version. It wasn't. Yeah, in the 3DS version, I found it really difficult. It sucked. That, that's really funny. Like, none of, none of the things in this game were very difficult on the N64. I still died, like, a thousand times playing this game, though. Uh, which is a little bit sad, because I used to take pride in the fact that I didn't die when I was playing Zelda. But, you <laughs> Maybe know. it has to do with, like, how much Dark Souls I've played in between Zelda games that like I didn't really die during regular boss fights or against regular enemies, but man, that centipede thing sucked. It had gotcha. a bad time. Had a bad time. <laughs> uh that was a lot of fun. I did not get the uh the other boss fight that I really liked was um the final boss as yeah the fierce deities mask. You know, and so, but I didn't get it this time around. Yeah, neither did I. That was one. Of, that was one of the things I was going to ask you. Was like, did you get the fierce deities mask? Because like, I remember yeah. it as a kid. In my memory, you basically needed the fierce deities mask to beat the final boss because I remembered it being really hard, like really hard. Right. And then you got the fierce deities mask and you just smacked him around for a couple minutes and then you won. And it was like, it was like comical how like how easy it was with the fierce deities mask it really was that there's no overpowered tool in a video game like the fierce deities mask it's basically like having a star in mario like you are you're yes. just destroying them but like i said i i remember it in my head i remembered the final boss being like basically impossible without the fierce deities mask and that is not true uh it is yeah, very nice. easy very easy piece of cake um it's cool how it like goes through these phases and each phase has like a gimmick that you need to figure out and one of the phases has some very weird music uh playing what was that i think it's like the third phase oh the mask kind of like grows these legs and is like like silly running around the arena and there's this very it changes from this like epic final boss music to this weird, like kind of more laid back song, but it's like this frenetic weird shit. I don't know. That's funny. I didn't, I don't, I don't remember that part of it. Uh, by the time I got to playing that part of the game, I was just, I was so frustrated that I didn't have the fierce deities mask that I just got through it. That final boss fight. It was a lot of fun. I went back and I opened up my old save file and, Mm -hmm. the fierce and uh the fierce deities mask is fun you are it is fun it's one of the most like empowering things that a video game has ever given you yeah i mean if i didn't have to use my nintendo 64 and i could do it on my phone i would play uh as i would i would go ahead and play the final boss every day you know while i'm drinking my coffee in the morning just yeah just kind of myself going yeah, a little pick me up before before I go to work for sure. A little little boost in the morning. One uh one thing in the the game that I thought sucked like real bad was the um the pirate fortress. Yeah, where you're doing the stealth around it. It was bad in Ocarina of Time. It was not fun in Ocarina of Time, and it's not fun in Majora's Mask. Uh, those like stealth and you instantly fail. Uh, they just throw you out in the water and then you have to swim back and that sucks. Uh, and I hate it. And I don't know why they put it back in this game other than 
like a lot of the stuff and the systems were already created. That's exactly why they put it back in this game. I forget if I read this or if I watched a video about it, uh, but they were talking about when the game was created that um, the creator, Miyamoto, is that his name? Yeah. He wanted to just do a full-on um, master edition of Ocarina of Time. But the guy that makes the dungeons uh, was like, no, I don't just want to do a remaster of Ocarina of Time. I just got done doing Ocarina of Time. I'd mm-hmm. like to do a different game that's a little bit different. Uh, and they they wound up letting him do it, but they only gave him like two years to get it done. They're like, if you can get it done in this amount of time, you can do it. Otherwise, we're moving on to the next one. Hmm. So, and then we wound up getting the the master's edition of uh of Ocarina of Time shortly after this came out for yeah. GameCube, right? Yeah, on the GameCube. Yeah, and it was one of the um, I think it was one of like the first things that came out for the GameCube was like that you know, Zelda four pack or whatever that had the master quest and the wind waker demo and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh man, that would have been awesome. So you were able to finish that quest that has, um, uh, you're looking for that missing guy. I, when I was a kid, I said, Kafi, I'm sure that's not the pronunciation. Cause that's not how Japanese pronunciation works. I would guess it's cafe, cafe, whatever. That sounds like a Zelda thing, yeah. Yeah. Cafe, cafe, sounds like a uh, sounds like a Zelda thing. And Anju is and Anju. Uh, is the lady's name, yeah. Right. Zelda has a thing with food stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say Anju in Korean is uh, it means food that you eat while drinking alcohol is called Anju. So that's awesome. Interesting. I didn't do it. I, I did it when I was a kid. Uh, I had to follow a guide uh, to do it. I didn't do it this time around because I, uh, frankly, by the time I was getting to like the end where I would where I would be able to do it, I was like, I'm mm-hmm. kind of ready to stop playing this game. You know, 25 hours is a significant amount of time to be playing a video game. So yeah. I was ready. Did you do this though? I did. So I feel like I I feel like I had a a different experience because I finished the game pretty quickly. And then I came back to it right. um, just over the past week. And so I got to feel out a few things. So the fact that I, you know, I looked up the instructions on it. I'm not like, I, I didn't figure this out during this playthrough because that would have been very, very time consuming, but you know, following the instructions, it's really not that difficult to, to plot out what your days need to look like. And actually, I think it takes more than one three-day cycle to get this one done. Yeah, because along the way, you're picking up a lot of, like, masks, right? Like, masks that you can't wear, but you're picking up. Right. You have to, exactly, you have to find uh, find different masks to open up the next step. Um, and then you have to kind of focus on individual parts of this so the quest we're talking about, we're in the spoiler section now. It's like yeah. the marriage quest to get the marriage mask that doesn't do anything for you. Right. It's just a, a symbol that you completed this side quest. That you have wasted X amount of time completing this side quest. Yeah. I don't know. So like did the side, because that's a side quest that 
I remember having a little bit of emotion behind it. You're trying to reunite this, you know, this couple and stuff like that. So does it, or is that just in my memory? Well, well, okay. I mean, there is some emotion, right? So in typical Skull Kid fashion, he was around just causing havoc for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And he he turned Cafe into a uh, into a kid, like an eight year old. Uh-huh. Uh huh. As you do. Yeah, as as he does. And uh, Cafe was in, engaged to be married to Anju uh, on the day of the festival, mm-hmm. and so he has hidden himself away because he's, I think, ashamed to be a child. Um. I mean, I think that people would understand because Skull Kid is out there causing all sorts of shenanigans. Right. Like, they get it. It's not not his fault or anything. Uh, But she's busy looking. She's trying to find him. He is hiding. Um, And so the whole process is kind of uh, bringing them back together and uh, enabling them to communicate. And then at the end, it is kind of sad uh, because they agree to meet and uh and he comes in to the hotel and which is where she works not that they're just meeting at a hotel you bunch of weirdos <laughs> but that uh so he comes in to meet her and it's like an hour before the moon falls or something right. and they just sit there hugging one another uh which is very sweet but also questionable because he is now eight um, so <laughs> he doesn't get age reversed. He's still no, no, no. Just he d- he is still just eight. He is still just a child. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that an adult woman has, you know, come on to a, a, a young boy in a Zelda game. Wouldn't be the first time. No, I mean, and like we didn't talk about this at all. And I, so this game is really messed up because Link is like a grown ass man in a child's body, right? Yeah, he's I mean, he ha- he was like like we said a couple months ago, he was the adult version of himself and then he traveled back to being the kid version of himself. Right. I mean, he is like he is like a grown ass man that has seen some sh- seen some shit, you know? Yeah. Like he's killed Ganon multiple <laughs> times. Yeah, just I like mean, 2 months ago, you know. Yeah, just yeah, he killed Ganondorf and Ganon back to back. And uh and now he's just like in this squat little eight year old body, you know, can't even go out and buy a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. It's weird. I I was thinking about this, like if you if you are viewing it as the sequel to Ocarina of Time, why would Link decide he wants to go back to being a little kid when he could and when we say adult it's not like Link was like 30 years old. He was like 16 <laughs> when he was an adult. Right. So like, right, why not, right. why not I mean, just like fast forward to that? So I think that, uh, I think that the story goes that he gets sent back in time. Like, you know, so in, in Ocarina of Time, this is a spoiler section. It doesn't matter. So in Ocarina of Time, you go to the, the Temple of Time when you're a child and you become older and then you go as an adult and become younger right um and i think that he goes as an he goes at the end of ocarina of time and becomes younger again 
Because he puts the sword back, right? Right. And so not only does he save the save Hyrule and, you know, do everything that he did, and then he's forced to become a child again. But he's a child that had to do all that stuff, and no one in Hyrule remembers anything that he did because he's gone back in time. So Hyrule was untouched by Ganon. Right. You know, I mean, like, so, man, Link, no credit. No yep. credit at all. No credit at all. So, um, I don't know, the story in this game, you you kind of go through, and as you go through the temples, uh, this is another cool thing that I like, like, very cool flavor. I don't know what any of it means, like, in the greater story. And again, this is Zelda, so I don't care about the greater story that much. But uh, <laughs> I like freeing the um, the giants at the end of each temple uh, when you beat the boss. Yeah. And, you go in, and I, I love the song that the, that is playing uh, during those giants sections. It's very um, melancholy, like very sad in a way, but also proud. I guess would be one way to describe it. I think the giants are cool, and like you're you're gathering the giants so they can stop the moon, and that's how you're going to go stop. Skull Kid, because uh, you have to first you have to stop the moon from destroying the planet, and then the last level is you go to the moon, which is um, a grassy sound of music meadow, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Is that the moon, or is that inside the moon? Does it being is that it, the surface of the moon or inside the? It doesn't make it any less weird. I was going to say, agree. would it make it less weird to be that the inside of the moon is this beautiful grassy meadow? Um, but anyway, again, this is this is Zelda. I don't care why things are the way they are because Zelda has never never given like satisfying answers for that kind of thing. Like if it's you know one of those things where it's like, if you really want to know the answer is going to be less satisfying than not knowing. So just don't ask, uh, in my opinion for Zelda stuff. So, uh, it's cool that the beating the bosses freeze these giants. I don't know why, but I don't really care because the giants are cool and they come out and they stop the moon at the end. You get this, I don't know, this weird shit, like at the end where it's like, the Skull Kid was doing all of this because he got bullied and he was sad. And I think I remember when I was a kid, this was like a, oh, poor Skull Kid, you know, <laughs> people should be nice to each other, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But as an adult, I kind of just like rolled my eyes at that. Like, although the part, the part that like where the Skull Kid stole the stuff because he was acting out because he was getting bullied the mask is really like kind of controlling him and like taking over, forcing right. him to do this stuff. Um, that was kind of cool. If you see later, like if you kind of pay attention during those fights or something like that, um, the skull kid's body is just kind of like hanging off of the mask or like being puppeted around. Um, so that's kind of cool. But I remember when I was a kid, I was very much like, Oh, poor skull kid. You know, people weren't nice to him. And as an adult, I was like, uh, shouldn't steal masks from that weird mask salesman. You should know he's carrying some some cursed shit in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the uh 
I think that the story was that Skull Kid got salty because his friends stopped hanging out with him, his friends being the giants. Um, and then I don't know why he didn't just go and make more friends outside of the fairies. You know, I I think that he was salty because the uh the giants stopped, you know, hanging out with him, even though he was, <laughs> you know, yay big and they were giant. I I don't know. Yeah, I and again, I'm not super familiar with these story beats and stuff like that, but I don't I don't know. I've never felt like it was my job on this podcast to teach you the story of the game I'm playing. It's more just like talk about the experience that I had playing it. So the experience that I sure. had was um I don't really feel bad for Skull Kid except for after he stole the mask when he got kind of puppeted around by Majora's Mask. Uh, that sucks, but it's also cool. And I like the giants, and that is uh, the extent of how much I think about the story in this game. <laughs> You're right. What you yeah. said earlier, the story is much better in the context of like these little stories where you watch the effect that it's all that all of this is happening on the NPCs and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that that's where the most fun of the game is. Yeah. Is watching the uh watching what happens with those almost tertiary characters, not even secondary characters. Yeah. Speaking of the secondary characters, all those characters out in the the spokes, like the Deku Palace has its own storyline, the Goron Village has its own storyline. I thought all of those stories were universally boring and I didn't care except for the time that the Zora guy dies as soon as you find him. Like you, you find him out in the water, you drag him to the beach. He tells you some stuff that I forgot. And then he dies. I was like, Oh, Zora guy. But other than that, (laughs) those stories, I didn't really care about those either. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I played some games recently in my life that really did have like super affecting stories that now a Zelda story is just not going to do anything for me. Or uh, if there's just not a whole lot there to begin with. I mean, it's it's some pretty top level stuff in, in Majora's yeah. Mask. I mean, there aren't a ton of layers to it um, or anything right. like that. So, I, you know, the the emotional impact of the storylines in this game are going to be pretty limited. I guess that affects how much I want to engage with the story then. If right, there's never going to be huge emotional moments in the game. Oddly, the thing that I felt the the closest to like an emotional impact is when those giants are singing that song. Cause that's the music in Zelda games can carry some emotion. And that giant oh, song does. is very, very sad uh, in a way. And I think that was the closest thing that I ever felt to some kind of emotion. I never really felt emotion about what happened to the skull kid or something like that. I will say that I was I was sad when um it's one of the first cinematics. Well, I guess it was one of the first cinematics that I found, but there's a uh a tree tunnel on your mm-hmm. way to the swamp where the skull kid and the fairies had spent the night one night. You find it because there's a little carving of the skull kid with two fairies and you see a cinematic of the fairies in there in the rain. Um and then the skull kid runs in there and he's cold and shivering. And then they all huddle together because they're all, you know, in a tough spot. And that I thought, well, that's a that's a nice, uh, sweet moment for a Zelda game. 
Yeah. So there are some sweet moments for sure, but nothing really affecting. But that's par for the course with a Nintendo game, you know. No other Zelda game has anything that really even approaches any of the things that we've praised, like story wise, in this game. So, as far as Nintendo Zelda games go, um, yeah, definitely, this game definitely has something to offer. Um, one thing I just remembered that is weird and that I remembered when I was a kid as being uh, scary uh, was that quest at the uh, the ranch to fight the aliens. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember that being difficult and scary when I was a kid. Um, as an adult, neither difficult nor scary, but weird. Why are there aliens coming to attack this ranch? Um, this might alien. play into this theory that I'm going to bring up soon, but that was uh, that was weird. Yeah, no, I I agree. It was a uh, and the music, I think, plays into that a lot because they play creepy music during that uh, that alien hunt that you go on. Yeah. And I think that, I don't know, I always kind of took it as the neighbors, you know, the the neighbors to the ranch. I forget what their their names are, the brothers. I think, it, oh, I, yeah, I always thought it was a ploy by them to take those cows. I, I don't know how, how they're, it they're calling the aliens to steal the cows. I'm saying it's fake aliens. I just don't know that an alien pops like that when you hit it with an arrow. (laughs) (laughs) They could be like balloons or something like that. It's just like balloons with like Christmas lights on them, basically. Yeah. Like, what is it? Um, The little paper, paper lanterns, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Keep in mind that Link um, and the girl that he's helping they're both 10 years old so they are both 10 years old they could have super active imaginations oh yeah that was that was a fun part of this game too um the way that they 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 just completely reused her character right i mean she was like the exact same character but then other ones they just used the skin for and then changed like their character entirely like the witches who were the final boss of the spirit temple. Right. They're shopkeepers in this game. Yeah. And and good guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, this might be a good segue into this weird theory. And this is the last thing I have uh, to talk about, um, unless you have something else uh, before we get into this. Do do you have anything else? Like any other experiences you wanted to bring up? No, I think that, I think that covers it. Um, Oh, except I did have one really weird experience and I looked it up um, okay. to do it. And I remembered I remembered having done it previously. And I don't know if I saw it in my strategy guide back in the day or something. But if you go in the middle of the night into the bathroom in the hotel, a hand pops out of the toilet and asks oh, yeah. for toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. that ha- that That's <laughs> something I remembered from when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> and you can give it toilet paper, and I I think you get like a piece of heart for it or something. I assume you either get a piece of heart or a mask or an empty bottle. Yeah, so I would be bad if you got a bottle out of the toilet, but you know, I guess I'd or a mask. I don't want to wear it on my face after it's been. In there, <laughs> You'd rather but... take a piece of heart and <laughs> absorb it into yourself or whatever Link does with those pieces of hearts. 
That's exactly right. At least I won't have a skin condition. True. You'll be you'll be dying from the inside. So yay. <laughs> Hooray. Okay, so I got this theory, and this this will be the last thing. As I was doing research for this game, um, and I was look again, looking on Wikipedia, because I this story goes in one ear and out the other, basically. Um, I found this thing that says like and they didn't present this as a theory. They presented this as fact. Okay. So this, I'm calling it a theory because playing this game at least two times, I never ever thought of this. And they never, they, to the best of my knowledge, they never say this. So this says that Termina, which is like the setting of this game, is a parallel land to Hyrule. Like a, it goes on to say that like this exists in the way that like Hyrule is this land's version of heaven. So like they're existing parallel to each other. And that the moon is not crashing down as a result of Skull Kid. There is this three-day loop that this world is always stuck in. Um, and you're not reversing time going back to day one because like this is your power as Link with the Ocarina of Time. You have the power to set this back to the beginning of the three days. They're saying that this always happens, that this, that this world is in a three-day limbo when the moon crashes down, and this just keeps happening over and over and over and over again, like, all the time. The Skull Kid gets Majora's Mask and creates this three-day loop because of the mask. So, like, the mask is creating this, creating Termina, basically. And one of the like natural laws of Termina is that the moon crashes down after three days. And then you repeat mm. this cycle. Again, this is, to the best of my knowledge, never mentioned in the game itself. Uh, unless you dig way deep in NPC dialogue. I'm not sure. So the power of the mask creates Termina. Uh, the people who live in Termina, uh, who are created from the Skull Kid's memories, because the Skull Kid is from Hyrule, because uh, he's, he's in the Lost Woods in Ocarina of Time. They're, yeah, created from his memories, and uh, they have their own, you know, culture and stuff like that. That's why we have a little bit of difference in, like, the cultures and backgrounds in Termina as opposed to Ocarina of Time uh, in Hyrule. Yeah, and so this this kind of like sets up this this legend, this myth, and that's where the giants come into play and stuff like that. And like I'm not I'm tired of reading through the Wikipedia thing about this uh, kind of theory, but what do you think about that? What do you think about the idea that this is the Termina is not even real. Termina was created by the mask. I mean, I had never thought of it that way prior to reading this. Same. Yeah. Um, I always, yes, I guess I view them as, as parallel universes, but also as alternate universes, you know, which I don't think are, and I'm not, I'm not a time guy necessarily. Like I don't, <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't study those things. Um, but I think that a parallel universe and an alternate universe can be the same thing, but don't have to be. Mm hmm. They can be the same thing, but they can also be different things. Mm -hmm. Like an alternate uni universe. Uh, I'm not going to get into it, but I think that they can be the same thing, but also different things. So I always viewed this as an alternate universe, whereas P 
people were the same, but circumstances were different, you know? And so like the idea of the idea of Termina as like a, a purgatory that he's just that the skull kid, well, that yeah, the skull kid is kind of created, um, on a whim, just in the seconds after having met Link in Hyrule. That's crazy. It is kind of crazy. And again, like, I, I just don't know where this comes from. Right. And again, the, the, the answer could be that this is just a fan theory that someone put <laughs> on the Wikipedia and no one moderated the Wikipedia page. But it is interesting to at least think about as like, this could be an explanation for it. I don't find this to be necessary to be the answer. I think it I think this game works perfectly fine as Termina is its own land with legends and cultures and stuff. Link is Link has left Hyrule and he stumbles into Termina and you know, they steal the mask and the reason that the characters look the same is simply because the game developers only had two years to make the game. So they used the same character models and stuff like that. Instead of this being like this purgatory or hell world version of Hyrule, uh, which would be, I guess it would be a more satisfying narrative answer for why everything is very, very similar. But I'm not the kind of person that needs that explanation. I'm perfectly fine of like seeing, I'm perfectly fine with seeing it that way in the way that like, oh, everything looks the same. And the reason for it is because in the real world, the developers only had two years to make this game. (laughs) We don't need to narratively explain everything with a narrative answer for it when the real answer is probably just they didn't have time to make a bunch of new character models. That it is a very deep concept for a Legend of Zelda game. Yeah. Yeah. That's another reason that's another reason why like I kind of am I'm kind of thinking like this seems interesting but also like no other Zelda game has gone this deep before and this one had the least amount of development time. So I'm I'm kind of like really really is that really what's going on here? Are you sure Wikipedia? Are you really sure? I was, I I'm going to look up Wikipedia and see what, what sources they cite for it. There are cited sources, but I didn't vet the sources. There are actually a lot of sources uh, in this section. But um, I was finishing putting these notes together at like one in the morning last night, and I was like, ah, I'm not going to dig further on that. We, Alan and I will, we will discuss. There are a lot of references to The Legend of Zelda Encyclopedia, which I guess is a book that everybody can purchase probably on Amazon. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. Interesting theory. Uh, I don't personally subscribe to it. Even if it is in the official canon, I still don't subscribe to it. So how do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. I don't th- I don't think that. Um, well, I guess there kind of has to be like some sort of afterlife in Zelda games. Right. Because like where else? To, well, I guess Ganon just goes into like the void. Right. Yeah. There are yeah, parallel, okay. there are alternate dimensions because that's where Ganon's hanging out in between each game, for sure. Yeah, right. So I, I think it's safer to say this is an alternate dimension. 
you know, I, I don't have any reason to believe that the Skull Kid created it outside the fact that the Skull Kid was just a dick. But yeah, or that like the mask created it in this like split second when, you know, Link rolled into town or something like that. Right. I mean, it took Nintendo a year and a half to make it. The Skull Kid made it in just seconds. That seems pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's I just wanted to bring up that theory. And like, I don't know if anyone listening to this is like real big on the story and the the lore of Majora's Mask. They might be thinking like, actually, dude, it's it's 100 percent true. Like Miyamoto said, that's what's going on. If that's the case, then, <laughs> you know, I'm wrong. But my preferred kind of like version of this story is a little bit more simple than that. So, and well, they have gone into kind of dream worlds before that's what's going on in Link's awakening. That whole game takes place within a dream. So it's possible, but again, not my personal canon for what's going on here for whatever that's worth. Yeah. This, uh, this game and this story really exists in short dialogue from NPCs, the way NPCs are acting and then more like emotional flavor. I don't really need to know what's happening in this game. That's kind of how I'm, that's kind of how I come out of this. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel any, any sort of pressure to figure out exactly how Link. I, I, I mean, you know, did I wonder why there was a hole leading to this weird world out in the middle of the lost woods? Yeah. I wondered about that. I also wondered, how'd the skull kid get a pana down that hole? You know, (laughs) I I mean, I don't, there are a lot of unanswered questions that I didn't really feel the need to, to dive into that much because it's, you know, it's a a game that's made for, for, you know, 10 year olds for the most part. And it, it did that and, and more. So I think that, you know, I was satisfied with not having all the answers. Yeah. Same. So, All right, cool. Well, this seems like a good place to uh, wrap this up then. So, Alan, thanks for talking about Majora's Mask for almost three hours with me. Appreciate you, buddy. This is a good time. (laughs) Happy to do it. Go out there, get your uh, your Primus Strategy Guides, turn the brightness on your TV up to 100, and and have some fun, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, good times. So, everybody, uh, again, thank you for listening. Again, subscribe um, on your platform of choice. Spread the good word. And again, if this has been helpful to you, please leave a rating and review on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Good Pods, et cetera, et cetera, if it allows it. And one more time, please join the Discord if you want to talk Majora's Mask fan theories or uh, official canon that I am dismissing as fan theories. Uh, Please join the Discord and chat about it. We'll have a good time talking. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next time for the next game that comes out of the backlog.